the it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> But it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Jumping right in, and they the fans hate it when I do this. I need to do a full intro. Um, you know these two from their recently Oscar-nominated film, *The Female Brain*, <laughs> in which one of them appeared. Yes. Wait, why was I not invited to, to join? In the movie? Wait, I don't know why. Was why? I, don't why know why. I killed us. it though. But why, <laughs> dude? Can I tell you something? You can, that scene. Okay, there's a scene with you and Blake, Blake Griffin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It tested so high <laughs> that we almost moved it to later in the movie because really? scenes after it wow. like couldn't follow it. Wow. It would like kill and then the next scenes would just bomb, bomb, That wasn't bomb. our first time working together, Blake Griffin and I. We worked together on a shoot for NBA. So mm-hmm. we had some, oh, we chemistry had some previous already. comedic chemistry. So. Right. Well, because it was already so funny because yeah. it was like, when you're hanging out with someone you're friends with, but the role is that you have to be like unctuous, <laughs> like and like sweat them a little bit. Right, it's right. like could be weird, but it yeah. was like so funny, and we couldn't get through because you were making Blake laugh so hard <laughs> that it was like fucking up the takes. And as you guys may have noticed, I didn't have a ton of money or time yeah. on that movie. Um, and so I was like, "Can you guys fucking stop being so funny? Yeah. Because uh, we have to." He shoot was making f- me laugh. Like, yeah. I was like, I can't. Why is he so funny? And it's annoying. So hilarious. He's so, he's one of the funniest people I've ever met, and like he has great comedic timing too. Great, like, comedic amazing comedic yeah, timing. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna say that your appearance in the female brain, which by the way, I never <laughs> knew how you guys decided who was gonna play. How did we decide? The part was it, was it rock paper scissors? It might, it might have been rock paper scissors. Okay, yeah, I and I true. and I won. He won. And I, was ex- I was delighted. <laughs> did you? I did. I did. <laughs> but did you? Did. It was great. I, I feel like when time. they when they nominated you for an Oscar, they IMDb'd you and were like, "The female brain." Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. We need to do like a retroactive Razzie. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. No, I had a good time. It was so much fun. Uh, and obviously Neil Brennan's. Like, we worked with Neil before too, yeah. so it was just it was just fun. I had a good time. <laughs> it was also really funny because we you were a window washer. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's so, uh, we were writing like a rich guy. Like, yeah. I don't even think now that we know rich people, like that's not even a real, like having a yeah. window. That was to us. Like, how do we sell that? He's like really rich. A window <laughs> Like someone's washing his windows at 6 a.m. Like it was so clear. We had no idea. Yeah. Like yeah. what a rich person's life was no, like. <laughs> no idea. No idea. They don't have just. They don't have uh, rich people. I mean, they don't have people washing their windows. I mean, probably not when they're inside sleeping. You know, right. it was yeah, kind of yeah. like wouldn't security have maybe gotten. Right. Totally. It was just right. like, it, totally. but it also we wanted to show that he. Uh, is really kind to the people that he's around, right. even if they work for him. So yeah. they kind of, he was like, oh, sorry, man. Like, remember, he was yeah, like, felt yeah, so yeah, bad. Yeah. As, like, as the thing was going down. Yeah. It was like a little <laughs> save the cat moment yeah, yeah, yeah. Type, type of thing. Of but course. it's so surreal to just be sitting with you guys again because I sat in post for Truly. Um, I don't know. It's the first thing I directed. Uh, I hope that's really obvious. Um, <laughs> in the, I mean, we had, we had to shoot. God, we shot. How long, how long was the shoot? 
I think it was 14 days. Okay. okay. Um, uh, and we had to shoot the whole thing, I think, in 14 days for a really wow. wildly low amount of money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I'm trying. Oh, yeah. So the shade kept coming down. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. couldn't fucking get it. Yeah. So in post, we had to digitally shade you oh, oh at God. different times. So I've stared at you for <laughs> like days. I hope it was a pleasant time. <laughs> like, too. I'm like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> no, it's like when you've spent so much time with someone and they yeah, haven't yeah, spent yeah. it with you. Right, right, right. That must be eerie. Now I'm here. In a, yeah, now I'm right. just like, it's it weird now. to not see you with something. Um, right. But uh, so. I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to, how to describe what's going on with right, you. Right, right. I mean, you just made the movie. I, the fact that you just came from the Oscars. Yeah. What? It was what a day ago. It was a day ago. A day ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And when I saw the first scene of the movie, I was like, "This is winning everything." <laughs> I mean, you were robbed. That's obvious. You know. But let me tell you something. Okay, so Daniel won though. Daniel won. Fucking, Daniel won. You know, the, as soon as he walked on screen, it was like, "Oh, yeah. it's done. Yeah, this right, is right, over. Right, right. Just give it to him now." But. I had a theory about this because I was like, oh my God, they didn't fucking win. And I was so mad. And I I truly, I believed it, deserved it. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, now maybe, oh, the, like they're probably going out of their way to like, if they give this an Oscar, they're admitting they've been racist. Maybe they, don't, <laughs> they can't because like the right. most woke thing you can do is go, no, you know, or what right, I was right, like, right, I was like in my head of all the conspiracy theories of what right. goes on in the Oscars. And, um, but I was thinking about it like there, you don't want to win an Oscar this young. No. 35? 35, 35 right? yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. You, you, you think it would have derailed that career? I mean, think of, <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, too young, right. like, Tatum O'Neill. Right, 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 right. Roberto right. Benigni. Right, right. You still have something to strive for. Yeah, right, or right, something, right. you know? Right. Yeah, I just feel yeah, like yeah. comics, like, we, like, we do well when things go well and then something goes wrong. I, like, no, I, I totally I, I agree. Think, I think we I totally operate best when things are negative. Like, I, And I don't want to say losing an Oscar is negative because people are dying and that's an awful thing to say, but I, I feel like it's funnier. You know funnier. what I mean? It's definitely it's funnier. It's like literally, it is being a winner, it just, it, that's your, your challenge moving forward right. is like, how do you stay the underdog right, when you're the right, winner. Right, no, no we, were on st- we, were, we were doing a cellar, I kid you not, and uh, we were on stage, we got off, and we were like, okay, something feels a little different now because of this Oscar nomination. Right. And we knew, like, we, we got to turn this positive into a negative. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's the only way we're going to survive right, right, as stand-up right. comedians. Yeah. Right, right. They can't see this moment as, like, the pinnacle of our career to have to see it as like, oh, this is something that We happened. got slighted, we were robbed. <laughs> like, I still want to be able to tell dick jokes yeah, 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 and say yeah, yeah, stupid yeah, yeah, shit. I want to be perceived as the underdog. I mean, that's, I think comedians work best from that position. Right. That's so. really fascinating. Even though, like, what was that moment like when you're, I mean, first of all, I've, I was tripping out when I was watching you two and Lil Rel talking on the red carpet. I was like, this is literally like the hallway of a comedy club at the Oscars. Right, right. Yeah, it was was wild. Yeah, it was, it felt, it felt like we were finally having a moment as comedians and, and not that we haven't had like serious moments, but it's like now the Oscars are finally starting to perhaps maybe embrace comedy in a, in a, in a bigger way, ideally. And I want to talk about that in a second about how I think comedians are the most qualified to write drama and why oh, yeah. we'll get to later. Um, because yeah, Hollywood just wants to, you have to be one or the other. And, you mm-hmm. know, um, but, uh, but what was, did you have a speech prepared? No, no, I was like, we're not. What? <laughs> no, I did not prepare a speech. <laughs> yes, you did. I did not. You would I just go not. into your on drugs set? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck I, I would have done some stand-up. <laughs> what was your plan? Uh, I was going to let Shaka do most of the talking and just right. sort of 
recede to the background and tell jokes with my hands or something. I don't know. Yeah. What? Yeah. And it, whatever he said, I was going to say what he said. <laughs> That's the only punchline I had you, ready. Did you have like a game play, like where you like show me I right mean, one you know, started and you then we're get, like. I mean, we, I had a sense that promising your woman was going to win. I mean, she, I mean, you know, it was a great script and Emru was winning everything. So it's like, it felt like Mm. We just weren't going to win, so I didn't, yeah. I didn't... It's white women's turn. <laughs> you get to the back of the line, please. Yeah, I mean... Okay. I mean, the Academy... Finally! Yeah, yeah the history of the Academy. Black people don't win. We, yeah. we get nominated occasionally, but yeah. we, don't, we don't really win all the time. I did hear you um, say somewhere that this was the first uh, uh, Academy Award win for a civil someone playing a civil rights yeah, yeah, leader, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. David Oyelowo... Um, was, did not get nominated. He was yes, and he we talked about it when he was on the podcast. Yeah. and they very. I mean, I, whatever. I he think, should have been nominated. He, right. he, yeah, but no, he was nominated. I think didn't win. He didn't. He, yeah, he, he didn't, didn't get nominated. nominated because they because he wore the yeah. um, I can't yeah. breathe. He didn't, get, he didn't get a nomination. He didn't. <laughs> it's great. Martin Luther King didn't get a nomination, <laughs> but the Joker got two. Yeah, <laughs> two wins for the Joker. <laughs> I mean, let's be nice. I mean, let's be honest. I'm going to be playing the Joker one day, so let's not burn. Let's not burn my bridge <laughs> with Todd Phillips right now. No, 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 the Joker is great. If uh, there was a female hey. Joker, it would be me. Oh, yeah, for sure. um, like, you don't need any makeup. Um, but uh, but because um, they, you know, they very much believe that it was because they were protesting the sure. Eric Garner right, at right. the premiere. They all wore the I Can't Breathe shirts, right. and it was before. Oscar's so white, so you know it was a, it was a time where I think the the institution was kind of not against change, but definitely like you know I don't think they wanted to like embrace like active politics, especially right. on on like the black side, because maybe they felt like it was too confrontational to the largely white audience mm. of, of the the academy. Uh, is what I'm guessing. It's like they didn't want to like go that far to the to the left. I mean, and it kind of makes sense because the ratings are. I was going to say, there's a reason only old white people watch it. Um, but uh, and here's the other thing: like, if you got asked to host the Oscars, would y'all do it? Do I would want to do it if only only if we could do it with Rel and Jermaine Fowler. Oh, we all do it together. Right, I would do it because right. it's like there had like when Kevin Hart ended up not doing it after that debacle. I kind of was like, I mean, thank God. I, I, I there's when someone solo does it for like it could e- it could go either way. It right. ruins your career or kind of turns <laughs> yeah. you into a talk show host. Right. You know, right, right, right. I mean, Anne Hathaway has not had been the same since. It was rough. She did that with James Franco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was not a good show. When did and she get nominated for not? Was it well, before that or after? She won for um something. Ra- what did Rachel, Anne Hathaway Rachel's win? Getting married. Rage, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when she and then she hosted with James Franco, and right. I remember writing on that. I think Stoller was running the writers' room on it, yeah. and I was a writer on it. And um, she's like a Broadway girl, right, so right. we were writing her like she was in like duck costumes and she was a ballerina and all yeah, this stuff. And we're like Franco, like I don't really know. What. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then sure enough, it turned into like she's like carrying the show, and yeah. and like you know, I think comedians know to do, know to do this. Broadway people know to do this. That um, I have a speech impediment, and everyone's finding out about it. This, that's why I didn't want to start a podcast, no. and now it's. No, I, you sound great. I used to practice an hour for a year, yeah. yes. and then you heard me say it after I rehearsed it right, right, <laughs> for an right, hour. Right. Um, well, your stand up used to used to practice. Well, yeah, stand. I just mean before you do an hour, right, right. you can kind of get away with stutters on stage. Sure, right, for sure. You know. But uh, in a podcast, you really can. And right. It's like, are you on drugs? I'm like, no, this is just my personality. 
personality and my yeah. fucking the way I talk. Right. Um, but uh, but then we know that if someone gives you less energy, you're just gonna give more. To, right, like, right, an right, right, so that's right, why right. I didn't like improv. It was like I, hate it. I mean, improv was like it was just too much. It was like you're I just, just you're just and I was not very good. I was very bad at it. Let me tell you why you're not good at it. Because you're a you're a real writer. Right. And I remember being at those improv things and they're like zip zap zap and they're like yelled the audience like they have any fucking idea what is funny right, right, right. they're like we're just coming here i thought you were supposed to know what's funny we're yeah, like what yeah. should we make jokes about and they're yeah. like what i thought this was I, your job i, mean, I do I, I see the the benefit of it like when you're doing crowd work mm -hmm. why why it's good to have an improvisational mind so you yeah. can react to the audience because you can get some really good moments from the audience right. Always. but you don't want that to be the hour like right like, right that's, that's strange that's special for the live audience that's there that right, gets to go sure. oh my god i just saw a show that no one else saw right but right, right improv i remember being in like improv classes or something and then you're doing the improv and you're like what if we stopped and went and wrote something right. down and then yeah. said like i always wanted to go write it and make it good right, right, <laughs> i was always like this refine something. it right like yeah. Yeah. take take a very funny you can get a lot of funny ideas from improv a lot take those ideas and sharpen them up like, yeah and make them make them tight i think that that's sort of the process that most stand-ups go through where we will generate ideas either just by observing mm -hmm. or we'll play around on stage but then we when we find it we go and we sharpen it up i've always wanted to ask you this in your special on drugs, which I want to talk about in a second, also, okay. but when who walked around who and that didn't didn't one of you walk around the other one and you were like, sorry, I just walked around you. I think it was you. you I did, tend to walk around him and you know. And then you were just like, it's all good. Like, it was just such a funny, like just sort of like specific way to start. And I just remember being like, I just love that. Like yeah, I don't know yeah. if it was planned or not, but I remember being like. Um, being so like endeared by that. Yeah, we were trying to like capture like how our normal sets go. So it's like normally yeah. we're just like we, we try to figure things out on stage. There's right. no blocking before, so we just right. like, well, there's a wire. Yeah. You have to move yeah. the wire yeah. and the you mic move around and get into like comfortable spots. So like yeah. we were just trying to capture that. Yeah, it just felt like abnormally comfortable. <laughs> right, right. Everyone's first thing is like, what is happening? Right, 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 and it's like super forced and intense, yeah. and it just felt like, oh, I just I didn't. Yeah. The beginning of most people's specials, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, just get in your act. Oh my God, stop. Just like, get to the Don't end. panic because it's <laughs> the first time we're doing stand-up right, right, right. in front of 19 cameras right. and like there's no way to be natural and no, you guys no found way, a way no. to do it. And I remember being like, fuck, I was like jealous. <laughs> like, yeah, apologize for some weird shit in the yeah. beginning that no one expects. That's clearly not part of the act. Right. Like I just was like, oh. Right. So if you had to give a speech, yeah. what who would you have thanked? I think I would have thanked the academy for I think no, I would so thank I, God first. Thank God first. Yep. Thank God first. Thank yep. Even though I don't necessarily believe in God. Yeah. Would what would you thank him if you don't? Well, I have a different. I have a conception of God that right. I believe in. What is some, that? What, what is it? Let's just hear. I have like a different conception of God. Like right. Not the Christian, you know, God. It's more like a, you know, a, CAA. <laughs> no, more, more like uh, you know the scientific version of God, the yeah. Einstein, more, yeah, 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 more Einstein version of God, a bit more abstract. And for right. those that you don't know, they were philosophy we were, mage, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Philosophy Studied philosophy. Yeah. Yes. So I am uh, in a twelve-step program. So we say higher power, right? Yeah, yeah. right. And it's basically the only thing you have to really acknowledge, especially in the beginning, if you have shit with religion yeah, and yeah, Catholic yeah. school and being a white guy in the sky and right. all this stuff, um, is in order to believe in God, you just have to believe that you're not God. Right. We just need right. to take your ego out of it. As right. long as you don't think you're God, we're good. I was watching exactly. uh, The Crown and it was a scene with uh, Prince Philip. Speaking of old white guys. Speaking of old white guys. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the great segment. Yeah. But no, it's relevant because it was Prince Philip and his mom. 
And uh, she asked him about his, like, how is he doing spiritually? And she, he was like, you know, whatever. And she was like, you got to believe in something, yeah, anything. Right. I don't, I mean, she was like a devout Christian, but she like believe in something. It's yeah. just the best way to go about it. I was like, yeah, that's right. I think. Because right. <laughs> I just think there's this thing where uh, 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 I'm just so excited about this answer um, right. from y'all because a lot of comics i think especially and people in general like i don't believe in god i don't believe in god fuck religion religion's stupid like it's like well everyone's got their own whether it's crossfit whether it's your instagram whether like you're we're all trying to just find meaning and a purpose and like you might get it from someone else but i think when people slam religion it just feels very elitist oh yeah you know because it's like a bunch of like rich hollywood people being like fuck religion it's like well you don't need to look yeah. forward to something because you or you don't need to build community. You have right. people that work in your house for sure, you or whatever. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, we grew up pretty poor and I, I saw the, the the positive ramifications of, of having a religion in an environment where you don't have anything. Right. You know, it, it keeps a community together. Right. Yep. It uh, gives people hope when there's nothing to be hopeful for. So, mm-hmm. like, I see the the pragmatic value of believing in uh, religion or Christianity. But you I, also recognize, like, the... The negative ramifications for sure, yeah. of for sure. organized religion. How, right. you know, but it's not just organized religion. It's, it's extremism. I right. think it's any sort of belief mm-hmm. system that's, you know, believed in an extreme way that, you know, leads to violence. I think religion has that tendency sometimes, but it, it could also just be a crazed fan or yeah. uh, mm. you know, a person a who... Government. Re- yeah. A government. A yeah. government or, or even people who are anti-religion. They, they can be zealots as well. So right. uh, I, I, I feel like you got to be able to look at both sides, right? And and see the good and the bad. And I've, I see a lot of good in religion. But with that said, I, I just don't think I'm comfortable with accepting it philosophically. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's the the rules part. Like, the, I mean, we're comics. Our whole thing is like, right. break the rules, right. do the opposite right. of what we're allowed to do. Um, you know, but I, I do, like, as I get older, I get some of the rules. Like, because I'm always the, fuck these rules. But then a friend of mine her mom died suddenly orthodox jewish and there's a plan in place like when my dad passed it was just like i wasn't eating i didn't Mm -hmm. know i was in the hospital i didn't know what the fuck to do or where to go like like orthodox they bring food over they have a plan for 30 days you do this and then you do this and this person shows up it was like all planned out so that you're not like so i was like oh okay some of this is just like a positive investment in your future self right Right. yeah you know but um when my when kevin died like i didn't i had no plan like it was just like it was booze it was like just Mm. sadness but you know our our jewish friends they had a plan and i was like kind of observing going through it with them and it made it so much it made it better like just being able to spend time with them spend Mm -hmm. time with their family and just like recognize how serious it is but also find like the beauty in death you know what i mean like don't look at it so negatively but like it brings people together mm-hmm. in, a, in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, it just taught me not to be so hard on myself during the grieving process as I go through it in the future, because I know I'm going to. Uh, but it was very hard in the beginning. Like, I was like, how am I going to get through this? Because at, at that have, time, I was away from my religion. Yeah, grief is a wild one. I don't, I, oh, yeah. I've processed it in like little waves mm-hmm. and then it'll come up. Like, do you feel like you like repressed it and you're like I'll save this for later yeah the first year I I wanted to go into it hardcore like I was like you know what I'm gonna fully embrace the emotions that come with grief like I'm not going to shy away from it the ugly the good the bad I didn't didn't care I was like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it the honest way Mm. and I feel like in the beginning it was very hard like couldn't sleep Mm -hmm. yeah just had sleep but you have to feel everything you know like normally when people would die in my family I would just like suppress it it off and just go right on move right on with my life right but I found that that was just like not the 
most appropriate way of handling death. Yeah. Right. So it, when Kevin died, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to feel all of the emotions. I'm just going to feel all of them. But that one is like, God, like when it's your an older person, your dad, you're like, okay, well, this is going to happen. Right, it's not, right, right. This happens. But when it's someone so yeah young, it's like, it, it's just, and, and kind and, right. you know, um, it's just, it, it, it makes me a nihilist mm. and yeah. uh, it makes me like be in an existential crisis of what the fuck's the point of Without anything. a doubt. Sure. You if start questioning everything. Yeah. You start questioning everything. I mean, and, you know, we studied philosophy. So, so naturally we're quite, we've already started questioning everything. Right. right. When someone who's your age in your profession, who's in your you know class, class yeah. you know, dies, it makes you even more philosophical, even more existential. But I, I actually think like the philosophy that we had, the training that we had in the early on sort of prepared me for that aspect of grief. Like right, I, right. I understood it philosophically. So I, I didn't go to a, a period where I was just like, fuck, like existentially like mm-hmm. in trouble. It was more of the psychological impact that I wasn't prepared for. Mm-hmm. Like right. the, the, the overwhelming amount of like sadness and emptiness and like feeling like it was, it's like unfair and like the, the yeah. having to see his parents go through it. Like that shit. <sighs> I wasn't prepared for it at all. I, was like, I don't know. I don't know how to handle. Because that's where you come from. I mean, right. you talked openly about where you come from and right. seeing a lot of death and chaos, right. and right. you know. But this was like, oh no, I was used to that. This right. is this is that became like okay, that's just what it yeah. is. Like it's yeah. just I expected that. I became numb to that or something. Exactly. But this sure. was like, wait exactly. a second. This is my friend. Right. We lived in. We're in L.A. Right. Right. Like this it's is not supposed, supposed to happen. This is supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. on a trip to yeah. you know, right. Right. like right. a fancy right. trip. Crazy. Making a great show. Like it just was like this isn't. If this can happen, yeah. What yeah. the fuck? Did you at all study um terror management theory when you guys were in philosophy? I don't know never, if it was even. Uh, never no. studied that. It's it's basically um and I've heard y'all talk about versions of this anyway um uh but the book that I read on it was called The Worm at the Core but mm. essentially it's about how we're since we're the only species that knows we're gonna die right. we have to essentially um create indelible things and mm. uh in order to have some sense of immortality mm. that's why we want prizes and awards and trophies right, and right, teams right. like we need to align with something and family crests and shit like that mm. and how we get preoccupied I was just asking myself this question like why are we so obsessed with like uh, metal things are like having our name engraved somewhere yep. or like and I uh, I never thought it's because of our fear of death and oh yeah we want to be immortal we want to be immortal something to so um I'm trying to google it right now but of course I can't uh <laughs> because I'm a woman and we're no. just inferior um <laughs> so <laughs> no you're right we want all the Oscars right? so, <laughs> by the way right, we right. I'm like Fennel and I um Fen Fen and Chloe you guys yeah I passed on the it. role that Alison Brie got I just next time girl if I have time why am I in Google Scholar? What is that? Did you know there's a Google called Google Scholar? And it yeah. only came up when you two were here. Oh, it's the only time I've ever seen it. They're like the Lucas brothers are there. We need her to gotta, step it up. Gotta, you gotta go scholarly on I know. Like get off your fucking uh, internet explorer. Wait, that's I've never seen that before. That was like I think I've ha- used, that was I've like used, having Google like Earth like earthquake on the show and having it just go to Google Earth. You've never you used Google Scholar? <laughs> I've used it once. I feel like I've used Google Scholar before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't it's, know it's, when. It's a good. It it's went good. to like a Lexus Nexus or something. Oh, yeah, you definitely use Lexus Lexus Nexus. Lexus Lexus Nexus. Oh, so this isn't really philosophy. I guess it's psychology. It's both social and evolutionary 
psychology theory okay. originally proposed by who cares white guy white guy white guy <laughs> and codified in their book the worm at the core the yeah. role of death in life it proposes a basic uh psychological conflict results from having a self-preservation instinct while realizing that death is inevitable right. and to some extent unpredictable right. this conflict produces terror which hmm. is managed through a combination of escapism and hmm. cultural beliefs that act to counter our biological reality with uh, more significant and enduring forms of meaning and value. Uh, right. Collections. Yeah. You know, why do we collect stamps? Right, why do right. we put our name on things? Yeah, why do yeah. we need to like be a part of a team right. like uh, the Cowboys versus the, I was going to say Redskins and I did it, but said it anyway. <laughs> We're trying to not say Giants. It. Giants. You know, Giants, yeah. Giants. <laughs> Giants. <laughs> um, we can't offend Giants, right? They're, no, not, no, no. they're not a group. As long as, offend. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe some maybe Giants some out, there out there. I was going to say, I'm just, I'm going to just stay out Easy of this. Easy with the Giants yeah. jokes, guys. <laughs> unless you're calling a little person a Giant. I don't, unless right, you're, right, I don't know. Right, right. I'm sure there's ways that a comedian can make that wrong, but I'm <laughs> Um, but yeah, there is that, right. I think. And then when I lose someone, it's more like, I've got to shoot a thing. I've got to yeah. like yeah. get my name and a thing, you know, yeah. like it's just such a wild, it feels like narcissism, but I think it's more self-preservation. Right. I think but it is self-preservation. I mean, I think it's like, it's that fear of, you know, not being known or, I don't know, dying without people, you know. But my, what, I've learned, you are. what I've learned through history is that the people who are like normally remembered, like for a long time are either like religious martyrs or uh uh emperors who kill millions of people (laughs) like like a caesar or uh, (laughs) like you gotta do like crazy things to humanity to be really remembered really famous yeah 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 yeah, yeah. to be remembered like yeah hitler was like i like the jews i just like how am i gonna get famous (laughs) you you gotta do do what you gotta do (laughs) army hammer was like i don't like eating women but um But let me, because this is going, I really, I want to get to the movie. Obviously, I have so many questions. And um, I was, my first question is like in making, in telling the story, Mm -hmm. which is like, I, the fact that it took this long, you know, is shocking. I know why you did it scripted and I'm glad you did. But was there ever a point where you're like, oh, do I do a doc, do we do a documentary about this? Do we do scripted? Like, well, I mean, I felt like there was already a pretty good documentary about the murder of Fred Hampton. And I'm like, I don't want to tread the same material i felt like it i felt like his story uh needed a sort of cinematic representation mm-hmm. that really like to connect showed, emotionally right? mm-hmm. to connect like emotionally. this is a human being it's right. not a bunch of black and white pictures exactly. being zoomed in exactly. and out on yeah so I, I mean i felt like that was the right path uh i think ultimately it was proven correct but i feel like uh you could have i mean i think there's still a good documentary waiting to, i mean there was a great documentary about the black panthers recent for pbs but there might be an even more specific documentary about what happened post hampton's death related to like the you know the the legal case that they had well between the family and the city of chicago mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of material there that you can explore in documentary mm-hmm. form i felt like the story that we were trying to tell especially william o'neill's yeah worked for cinema right. and then did you get to meet his he has a doesn't isn't his widow alive and yeah his son? yeah she was uh we've met her several times we actually we were at the uh the oscar after party for kaluuya and she was there but also with Chairman Fred. That's your first time meeting her? No, 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 no. Oh, we oh. met her. We met her on set. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, we met her uh, when we rapped. We met her. I mean, we also uh, talked to her. Um, what else did we? Those, those were your only three. Yeah, times, yeah, right? yeah. And did she like offer any information? Oh or yeah, what was yeah, she? yeah, yeah. She was crucial to. She was a consultant. Oh, nice. Okay. So she was on set several times, and she offered advice throughout the whole process. Right. And she's she worked. 
specifically with uh, Dominique Fishback to you know make oh, sure yeah. her char- you know her character was uh, authentically uh, portrayed. So she was Mama Cool is very crucial to the to the development of the story. And my like big question is like just we were just talking about history and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I have this theory that a lot of history is like just fucking gossip. Like I know <laughs> I know they say history is written by the winners, right. da, 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 but it's like as you were researching this, digging into it. I mean, obviously this was later when you know we had um, were able to like write stuff, print stuff, file sure. stuff. Like yeah, yeah. you know, um, I'm working on something about Harper's Ferry, which is where um, John, John Brown's Brown, raid yeah. yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's all this, um, you know, a free slave built this hotel called mm-hmm. the Hilltop House. There's all this stuff. And there's just like rooms and rooms of files right. that are of this, the plans and W.B. Du Bois came mm-hmm, and gave a speech. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, none of this is in history books. Like, it's right. just kind yeah. of like sitting here yeah. and like half the stuff I learned in history books, like if you'd asked me 10 years ago, I'd be like, yeah, Christopher Columbus discovered America <laughs> and him and the Native Americans had, like, they had a Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> where like the pilgrims wore their cute little boots yeah, yeah, yeah. and they just like... And then some reason they disappeared. I don't and know then what I don't know what happened. I guess they were just like, you know, so I'm just so curious when you were, you know, because there's such an absence, I think, of of black history that is you yeah. told it all. Like, where did you work from in terms of your... Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you have to sort of immediately reject everything you were taught in school. Mm-hmm. Like you have to just question the motives of mm-hmm. why they presented it that way and why they decided to keep out stuff. And I think once we got to college, we started to develop more sophisticated tools of research. Yeah. Uh, and, and I felt like in college, they're giving you a more honest or a fuller representation of yeah. what the history is. Somewhat You're slanted. Like, there were no it. slave revolts. Like, Mm, ah, no, I just don't think they were around yeah. to tell the right, story. Right. And then but once even, we got but to even in college, school, it was, you know, there were still some limitations to, right. you know, how we were educated. I, I think it's important to do your own research, to, to read as many books as possible, uh, just to get, a, again, a better understanding of what this history is about. And I think that, you know, obviously college was helpful, but then we read this book called The Assassination of Fred Hampton, which yeah. gave even more uh, context and uh, facts and details to what yeah. went down. And the fact that it was called assassination and not murder is... Yeah, right. right. That's, important. That's, That's important. That's important. Because I I mean, it's like, you know, there's stuff where you're like, the fact that I didn't know this, mm. you know, right. like, I, you know, I knew about this a couple of years, but it was sure. like, the fact that we weren't taught this in schools is nothing short of criminal. Oh, yeah. Be, since the FBI conspired to kill him. I mean, kill them. Right. Kill them. Right. Yeah. But it makes sense why they would want to hide it. Like, it makes sense yeah. why they would want to repress it. And, I mean, it's basic Soviet Union tactics where mm-hmm. you're just like, let's just pretend like this never happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, America's great and we don't assassinate our own citizens for talking Is there ever, like, are the people that were in the FBI at the time, are any of them alive? I doubt it. Yeah, I'm probably not during that dead. time. Yeah. Probably a lot of them are probably dead. Really? But yeah. then no, like have, younger have... inter like is was there no <laughs> one around that yeah. could like maybe go like all right, I was a part of that. Like yeah. I or do you sign something that's like I can never talk about it again? Or, or they just or they, they kill just, like, you? They could. I mean, they could. Put, I mean, I'm yeah. sure that they participated in like extrajudicial assassinations of people who might have spoken out. Right. I mean, I know the CIA definitely did. I mean, why wouldn't they? Because <laughs> then were there no people of color working at the FBI during that time. No, I'm just, there were people of color. There were people of color. They might have been in, they might have been uh, moles too. I mean, oh God. Yeah. It's grimy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, grimy. it's so, it, it literally, it makes, it does feel like Russia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you're oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah. you just poison someone if they fucking have, yeah. about and the to crazy thing shit. is, it, it was like, apparently it was like 7,500 like black informants across the country. So it wasn't like, this is just one story of many right. of black of the FBI using black informants to, to spy on, um, you know, other poor black people, not even just poor, but black people in general. 
Um, Scary. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's like, you know, it's tricky because, um, Sorry to do so many dorky philosophy references. <laughs> I, I do them with people and they don't know. No, but we, you guys we, we love it. It's like um, I'm obsessed with um, Baudrillard, who is yeah. like the is simulacra. Am I mm -hmm. pronouncing it wrong? Simulacra, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like essentially like like um, how uh, Jean Baudrillard wrote uh, uh, the book America is really amazing about yeah. how America, everything became like a, a, you know, a simulation of something else. Mm, like Las uh, Vegas is a simulation of the pyramids in Egypt, a right, simulation. Right, right, right. But essentially when you're only exposed to the, um, or like candy, like yeah. runts, like right. you eat runts or, or grape gum and then you have an actual grape and you're like, oh, this is yeah. gross. <laughs> yeah. So when you've had the simulation first, you actually prefer it to the real thing, you know? Of and course. there's just sort of something, um, you know, just in this space when you hear the real thing you're like oh that's a movie right. yeah and then you're like no no no, that really happened no yeah it's that, strange isn't it weird you're, yeah you're presented with a, a version of america that's simulated it's yeah. like it's a, a, a it's a fiction mm -hmm. and so when you when you uncover material that contravenes that fiction you're like oh this makes a good movie but so it's like oh no like, this is but it's true. that's what i'm saying because it's like when you say this it's like oh that sounds like a great like michael Crichton plot <laughs> yeah you know it's like weird it's, it's right. it, and then when something you know so it's like um i was just uh uh you know um back touring and i went up to idaho and was mm -hmm. like driving through and looking at like these beautiful trees and i was like meh like my screensaver <laughs> version like my screensaver version's right here yeah. it's like when someone's like do you want to go to this concert i'm like but i can just listen yeah, like yeah. i can watch a youtube video yeah, why would i go right, right. Around, you know so yeah. do you think the pandemic's going to change how people you know interact with the external world because we've been so locked up maybe like now we're going to be a little bit more you know appreciative of like going to concerts being around people all i can say when we were at the oscars and we were around people and, and we were watching it like it was a little stuffy, but I was like, no, this is actually, it, it felt good to see people out doing stuff. Yeah, like, I mean, well, good. I mean, it's probably to see Ava and Meryl Streep. Yeah, it's probably yeah, a little more fun. Yeah, yeah. Than, I just think the people yeah, you were around yeah, yeah. is probably no, why. Were, but, it, but it was definitely like, I feel like it was the more, the most relaxed version of what that ceremony used to be. That's right. right. Like, I feel like I would have been way more like nervous if it were doing like the traditional way. But now since, you know we were just into the pandemic, I think people yeah. were just a little bit more relaxed. Mm -hmm. I think like, you know, I think there's like a lot of answers, I think, to that question. I think it depends on the level of fear you have. I think isolation for a lot of people right. was way worse for their health than mm -hmm. getting it. You know, right. like I, you know, um, uh, you know, especially comics, like, I, you know, a lot of people in our lives are, you know, mentally not, right. you know, necessarily... Right as balanced and, sure. and, and doing stand-up is what the glue that kept us a lot, <laughs> yeah. you know, right, right, the coping right. mechanism that yeah. made us feel seen and heard. And, you know, I know that the first time I went on stage and did stand-up, like did terribly, but I was like, this is the first time I've ever felt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Free, like, yeah. okay. Yeah. I just, that, like when people talk about like their drug of choice in meetings, uh, A meetings or NA meetings, they go like, oh, I did that for the first time. And I felt normal yeah. for the first time. Yeah. And right. that's sort of like, that's exactly how I feel with stand up. Stand up, yeah. yeah it was yeah. the only like I was because I was going through a lot of crazy stuff at my at the time in my life. Just like I was like dropping out of law school, breaking up with my girlfriend, and my girlfriend was breaking up with me, as you would say. This is the best thing in the world, you guys. Except you can't fucking bullshit ever. Like, yeah, there's right. always a footnote. Like it'll never get twisted. But yeah, I was going through a lot of crazy stuff, and and then I stepped on stage, and it was the only time where I was just like, oh, this feels 
normal. Yeah. Like I, like, I feel like I have a mic and I'm just, it, I mean, maybe you're kind of crazy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't, but it I, felt right. I mean, I don't know. Other people go out and do like bachelorette parties till two in the morning. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't know what that, that to me, you know, like, I think a lot of, like, we just happen to have this very specific coping mechanism. Sure. And I think when a lot of rough shit has happened to you, mm-hmm. going on stage and being able, being able to joke about it is like, just like a modicum of like, oh, that didn't happen for nothing. Right. Yeah, right, right, right. That's yeah, what right, happens right, to right, me. It's right, like if, yeah. if something bad happens and, and, and you can sublimate it into mm-hmm. either helping other people yep. heal or laugh or get make money out of it, even right. if it's $15, Whatever, yeah, like yeah. all of a sudden that wasn't just God hates me. Right. <laughs> it's, it's taking ownership over the trauma. Right. You know what totally. I mean? Sometimes I know in the past I would let the trauma sort of define me, but as a stand-up comedian, you can sort of just like take that trauma and like you said, turn it into something that's humorous, get paid yeah. off of it or whatever. Like, it a, like a case in point, like our stepfather was abusive growing up and uh, I hated the dude. And for so long, we didn't even want to like touch mm-hmm. that material. Like we didn't want to touch yeah. it because it was so overwhelming. But then we started telling jokes about it and it felt, it felt so good. Like mm-hmm. it felt like we we're winning. Like yeah, we're not I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate I don't hate the dude, I don't hate the dude anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because all of a sudden you don't own. Uh, I don't have to keep a secret. Yep. You don't right. have power over me anymore. Because yep. if I'm keeping a secret about you, you still own real estate in right, my right, brain. Right, right, right. And there's something so liberating about being oh, like this happened. God. And then when people laugh, you're like. Oh yes, I'm. Other people have gone through this. Like, yeah, I'm not right, terminally right, unique. Right, 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 right. It wasn't just me. Yep. It was like th- whatever. Yep. And I can go. Okay, I forgive alcoholism. Hurt people, right. hurt people. That yeah, person yeah. must have been abused. Like precisely, I can, precisely. I can like get out of it because comedians we play devil's advocate. Sure. So I get to go like, okay, the person abused me, but someone abused him too, and right. I have to now. Yep. Which is why going to law school is like I think Perfect. makes the best comedians right. because Perfect. I would yeah. say we're like shitty lawyers. We take like <laughs> we take like a shitty yeah. premise and then we try to prove it with right. jokes. You know, something that's not true at all yeah, yeah, and then yeah. we convince you it's true yeah we don't care about the truth like no, no, our, no, no. our intention is the joke, the joke. Right. Like, we want laughter yes exactly but we use a similar well, process lawyers don't care about the truth lawyers either. don't care about the truth <laughs> yeah. they're just despicable <laughs> people yeah, yeah, we're the opposite. To win. we try to we try to take a lie and make it true with jokes right. in right. like a fantasy land yeah. of right, like right, let's yeah. go on this mental exercise right. but like yeah I do I do feel like as soon as you talk about something like that it is sort of like okay well now I don't have to it doesn't have to keep me up at night it's, yeah. it's yours too it's now just, it's yeah. just given to the world like when we wrote that that piece for Vulture it was like it was one of the first times where I felt like we were being brutally honest about our upbringing right. and once we wrote it and released it to the world it was like oh that's such a burden lift it right. like, I don't have to think about this stuff anymore it's, it's already given to the world right and no one um likes you less right. you're not gross <laughs> right. you know right. it's sort of like because a lot of it's like i'm holding this in because it's like i, I don't want to be seen i don't want anyone to feel sorry for me right. i don't want anyone to think i'm a victim right, like right. i don't want to be like you know and so uh i think there's something about that where everyone's like oh okay I didn't lose anything. Mm-hmm. I just gained more space in my sure. heart and in my... It's liberating. Yeah. It's like liberating. Like Yeah, you definitely don't want to be seen as a victim, but you certainly don't want to keep that, that shit in, you know? Yeah. yeah, there's something about like, okay, that's in, the, now it's finally in the past. Right. Yeah, right. Finally. Yeah. So I have a younger lover, as y'all know. I know you hate the word lover, but... Hate it. Until I get a better word. What am I? I'm 30 years old. I'm going to say my boyfriend? Yep. No. Yep. Neep. Yep. Neep. My um, uh, adopted son. <laughs> so... These young men, they're fearless. They are fearless. Mm-hmm. He will straight up say, you have a mustache. And I was like, no, I don't. He took a photo. Do I have a mustache? That's baby peach fuzz. I know, but I think in certain lighting. No, that is, those are pubes. That's those adorable. are pubes on you my- You know what? If those were pubes, people would keep pubes. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you haven't seen my pubes. They're you, like I know you don't. Ha- we hear all the time. You don't. Ha- you're a Barbie doll. Here's the thing. They're here's the, they're starting to grow back a little bit, and I don't trust just any razor <gasps> on my crevice. I am now using Billy razors not only for my legs and ankles, which have started getting incredibly hairy Sex. as I get older. Uh, yeah, it's the worst when you go to get like a pedicure and you just see a giant like rogue hair coming out of your ankle and you're like, since when? Never happened to me. Okay. But I also love Billy razors. But I started using Billy razors. I don't know if I'm even allowed to say this on my mustache have not gotten a negative comment from uh, the boy in a minute. And oh, you know what else? Hold on. Let me actually. All right. Here we go. Best endorsement for this. Goodbye, Billy. I can do no, no. Today, because I'm going, I'm between houses right now, uh-huh. uh, and I didn't have a Billy razor this morning. Look, <gasps> I shaved, tried to shave my armpits really quickly before the interview. Look at that. Look at that. Didn't use a Billy razor. Look at that. Now it looks like my armpit has herpes. It might. Do you see it? Uh, can I? It's Look, gigantic. This is this is all we need to hear. Is, this great. is what happens when you don't. I, I I used a non-Billy razor for the first time in eight months. And you. Look what happened. Yeah. This has like a, a thing on top that makes it suck. You literally can't cut yourself with this. The fact that I have not shed one drop of blood from this. I was wondering where that was going to go. Yeah, no, because normally, let's just be honest. When you shave your crevices, you got to pull the skin. You got to move. Mm-hmm. This, you can just kind of do it. Yep. Eyes closed, dry. Razor, no ra- cuts. Razor burn can look like herpes. It and that can always be this scary. This doesn't do razor burn. And yes. you don't have, you know how you normally have to like pick up your leg and like right, pull right, right, and right. push and right, like, right. Hang, you like pull, have someone pull a string. Cirque du Soleil, to, yeah. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to like fold the way they do in Gap stores. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this is like, I'm just, I'm obsessed with this also because look how easy it is to pop off. Boop. <sighs> No, no, stuck. I'm not. I'm not an idiot. I'm not all of a sudden a, an invalid That's that has amazing. to be. Like, Can you help me with this? Like, yeah. I know how to do it. Meet Billy, the best razor out there for those who Wait, want you an can't extra say that smooth now. shave. It is. Here's the other thing. We talk about the pink tax a lot on the show, which mm-hmm. is the fact that like a product that is the same for men and women, right? For a man, costs fifty cents for forty of them, it's and a real then thing. Oh, two of them for a woman is twelve dollars. Yep. Well, not with Billy. Not with Billy. Not no with pink Billy. Tax. No pink tax. And to express a little love for our show, go to mybilly.com/whitney. It's a small way you can support us while getting the best razor you will ever own. It's just nine dollars. Straight up. It's can just, I tell you something? And I get sorry. Ooh. Mm, can't oh, good girl. The good girl. She knows when to <laughs> stop talking. We had a fan, uh, Angelica. Angelica said, I got native deodorant and I got a, a Billy razor just to support your show. And then I got it and it changed my life. And now I order it all the time. Ringing endorsement. Yeah, it was like, she literally was like, I'm obsessed with it. I Like, I just bought it for you. And then I was like, These oh my God. These are such organic cells. I Yeah, I don't lie. Yeah, no. I'm you... sorry, I'm not full of shit, Emily. Oh, I am. Sorry. I'm real. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, I'm sorry. It's just $9 to get your starter kit plus free shipping. Always go to mybilly.com slash Whitney spelled B-I-L-L-I-E dot com slash Whitney. Ernest, I am very interested in talking about you because student loans were a big part of my life until I started working. I paid them all off at once because I was Good so for you. I couldn't handle having. But then I went back into debt paying them. like the first okay. like time I had 80,000. I just paid them off right away. And then right. I was broke again because right. I just like I didn't like it hanging over my head. Right. And I don't like the loans. They get more expensive. The interest, interest. Even mm-hmm. if you were like a math major or an yep. economics major, yep. you're still doing bad math. Yeah. Later, yep. like college should have taught us. The first thing they should teach yep. you in college is never go to college. Get a loan. <laughs> yeah. From a college. Oh no. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so I am now with a man who is a uh, they don't tell you when they say date a doctor. They don't tell you, wait till he's over 45. That's they'd only make money past then. They're in the red, you know, yeah. till they're in their 40s. So yeah. he's a specialized veterinarian. Right. And he has loans. And it's when he explains to me, the he has $60,000 in loans. And I'm like, that's insane. And he was like, oh, most of my coworkers have like $400,000 in loans. And all they're doing all day is saving dogs' lives. The fact that this has not existed before is so frustrating. Earnest is a website. Let's get to what the product is. <laughs> um, you get radically flexible payments. You can pick your loan term. You refinance your loan. Uh, we've been in, uh, working with this company for a while, so I do know some of this. They combine federal loans with student loans. Mm-hmm. I'm not totally sure what that even means. I would need to go back to college to learn what that means. Right. But you offers a low rate student loan refinancing and you can check your rate. Here's the thing. You can check your rate without it screwing with your credit score. Ernest is offering our listeners a $100 cash bonus. Refinance your student debt at earnest.com slash Whitney. Terms and conditions apply. Now Ernest is giving our listeners a $100 bonus. Refinance your student loans at earnest.com slash Whitney. Terms and conditions apply. Once again... You get your $100 cash bonus when you visit earnest.com slash Whitney to refinance your student loan. Not available in all states. Terms and conditions apply. Visit earnest.com slash Whitney for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinancing made by Earnest Operations LLC and MLS number 1204917, California Financing Law License number 6054788303 Second Street, Suite 401N, San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licenses. Y'all are pretty open about, um, you know, the circumstances you grew up in and the mm-hmm. environment in Newark. Mm-hmm. Um and I was just thinking, and I and I don't mean to be the, like the silver lining bitch because I know that's annoying. <laughs> I know it's annoying. No, you got to be positive. But I'm just wondering, like, just in terms of the way that that environment is very much about breaking rules, mm. laws don't, you know, we're doing mm. what we're doing, and you know, may have to yeah. go to jail, but it's a lot about breaking rules. Sure. And so is comedy in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think any way, like, seeing chaos and seeing rules be broken so much at all influenced, like? Your creativity, without a doubt, like yeah, without I, I I would say without question, it's something about like growing up in an, an environment that is sort of uh you know that has I don't want to say a propensity, but we're we're breaking rules is sort of like not the rule, it, but it's like it's sort of a part of survival. Like mm-hmm. if you don't break these rules, you're gonna either be very poor or you're gonna subject yourself to like violence. Right. So you gotta like protect yourself. The laws are set up to keep me yeah. poor, right, right, right. so we gotta break them right. in order to get. If any- the laws aren't like devise to protect you, then you have to devise your own sort of platform to protect yourself against like, uh, you know, very right. bad laws. Right, because you can look at it from like, if you look at Jews in the Black Messiah, the people who were supposed to implement the laws were breaking the laws. Right. And that's generally the setup in most inner cities where, you know, you, you want to believe that the cops are there to, to enforce the laws justly, but that generally, that's generally not how it's implemented. So, like you said, you have to you know take it into your own hands, right. which usually leads, leads to people violating all of the laws right. because they don't trust them. And that, I think that see, being in that environment definitely like made me question whether or not I wanted to be a lawyer for the next 30 years, whether, whether or not I could conceivably like live a straight life. Because mm-hmm. at that time I was starting to smoke and drink a lot more. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, can I can I be a lawyer and not be an addict and an alcoholic and 
be a professional. I was like, I don't think I can. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm going to slide. I think I'm going to get disbarred. <laughs> but at least it, you understand where your clients are coming from. Right. Like, I I get why you did all that heroin. Yeah, I get it, brother. I'm on I your side, <laughs> but we got to get you out of this mess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, I mean, I know this is like a silly re- question, but with everything that's sort of going on right now, and which has always been going on, I, I that annoys me when people are like, with everything that's going on right now and mm-hmm. the, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and, and <laughs> cops killing people. Like, it's with, been happening. It's, it's been happening for a while. <laughs> a it's just, we time. took a nine minute yeah. murder for us yeah. to... Um, Shock us. A start to, in a pandemic where, yeah. you know. Everyone have some, some free time. For some free time and yeah, and, yeah. and wanted to like get more likes on Instagram. <laughs> right, so right, I was right, like, right. Um, but... It's sort of surreal. Yeah. I mean, I guess that the timing for this is always kind of perfect, but it almost is like, I mean, wildly emo- to me emotional just how the timing is with mm. this. Yeah, it's it's wild that the you know the film came out. I mean, even when we were developing the film in 2013, you know, that was right around the time after Trayvon Martin got murdered. Mm-hmm. So there's always been that context. Just You've been developing this since 2013. 20, 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's it's been been a, a long <laughs> journey with this. Yeah. That's a, wild. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were probably writing on a show you didn't like when you were <laughs> working on your Oscar we winning were, movie. I mean, yeah, we were working on, we were working on Lucas. I like Lucas with movie co. I like Oh, that was, dude. Yeah. yeah. So we were working no, on. No, I'd be like, we've all had those staff jobs that <laughs> oh, were kind of yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Can right, you take right. that off my MDB? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of I'll take the paycheck. Yeah, yeah. You can keep the credit. I'll take that after scale. But yeah, we were like knee deep in comedy while we were developing the idea. So it was like, it was a, a fun little exercise to like, you know, work in that space and work in this other space. It's been a, it's been a long journey. It was so cool to watch that movie after knowing your standup and, mm-hmm. and seeing, and, and the main takeaway when I'm watching your standups, um, standups, that is the <laughs> oldest thing I've ever done. And that was, that was stand-ups. a stutter <laughs> when you were smoking the ganja before your standups, your skit. I, I watched your, your skits. Your comedy your skits. <laughs> I love your skits. I watched your skit. Um, but no, I wanted to pluralize it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I respect that. And yeah, I respect you you yeah. recognize my humanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just yeah, didn't want to. <laughs> I get it. Um, and uh, and there's your the pacing is like we're not in a rush. Mm-hmm. Like the the and you and I've learned so much from you because I'm like and I think yeah. I was like okay I'm a girl I have to work twice as hard and right. get uh, to get half as far and I have to make like everyone laugh twice as much sure. and like I can't take my time I don't right. deserve to be here I can't claim my space right. or else I'll get heckled or sure. people will just start walking out I mean that's what's it's fair. a different ball game for 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 females in comedy for sure like it's, I, I, it's, who, it's I mean it's who know like yeah. you know I think I got a lot of things I didn't deserve really early because mm. they needed to no, check a box for a lineup you know yeah. I definitely was seen for a lot of festivals before I was ready just because they're like we have to put a woman we could say the same thing though I mean if you're a, a novelty act you 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 tend to get a bit more exposure as a comedian early on and right. it's just it's just the nature of the business to trying to figure out like who can be that next yeah. th- big thing and I don't know um, I wouldn't say that it's undeserved though it's just like you, right, right place right time and right. you know I a lot of it is luck for most people. Well, good comedians. thing I bombed those uh, <laughs> showcases so I didn't get anything. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it took yeah. me twice as long yeah, yeah, later, yeah. which was good. It slowed right, me right, down, right, right, you know? Right, right. Um, but uh, yeah, the timing is so unpredictable. Mm. You know, so you'll sometimes like your your setup will kill and then you'll wait a set and then the and then you'll have like an exchange and then yeah, the punchline yeah. will get like it's but every joke feels so different to me. Right. Like you're on a different little journey and there's so it's so surprising with the timing. And watching the movie, you know, and 
there's, I mean, there's a scene where they're all in the car and they're just like laughing and, yeah. and it went on and I was like, oh, I think most people would have cut out already because mm. this, you know, everything has to be so choppy and quick, sure. but it was just like breathing and you had to like take in their humanity. Yeah. You had to take in them like laughing. Yeah. And it, I think most executives would be like, okay, we can cut that scene in half or whatever. Well, but I think that's what's so great about like Shaka and his directing. Like he does a lot of long takes so that you can't edit around it. You, you got to sit I mean? there you and like feel it. it. These yeah, are yeah, human yeah. beings that yeah. are like laugh. And they were, it was just like the chemistry was unbelievable. Yeah. But I was like, oh my God, this feels like their stand-up where it's like, there'll be yeah. short punchy scenes and then there'll be long scenes you have to yeah. just like take in. Right. And the timing is just completely on their terms. Right. The length and the cutting of the scene is going to serve the joke mm. or, or the, the scene, no, right. not like the whole movie is right. going to be the same way. Wait, right. all, you know yeah, yeah. All of the writers involved on the on it, like us, Will Burson, Shaka, we, were all, we all come from comedy. Right. We all come from a comedy background. So I think that that's why, you know, you could feel some of, I don't know, comedic timing sort of uh, implemented within that script as well because of the fact that we, we've all sort of cut our cut our teeth in, in comedy. It's so weird to me that people are like, oh, but this person does comedy. How could they do drama? Yeah. And I'm like, always, I'm like, it's literally comedians' jobs. Forget the laughing. It's our job to surprise people. Yep. Mm -hmm. And in drama, that's also the number one sort right. of thing. And yeah. like, you just can't like be corny. Also, comedians just can't be corny, yeah. right. you know? And there's this like constitutional need to make everything right. um, less corny and more true. Mm. So I'm like, comedians are the most qualified to do drama. Without right. a experience. Yeah, I think yeah. it's like our, our goal is to evoke emotions. Like, I think... We do it well in laughter with punchlines, but I think the same thing applies to drama where you're trying to evoke a sort of a pathos, an emotion right. from it. And it's like you treat that button of your scene like a punchline. Right. You know what I mean? And you want to get something out of it before you go to your next scene. I think we're fully capable of writing drama. I mean, yeah, I, I and also even... like we're we're masters. At, I mean, you like... were nominated for an Oscar, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think, but I, it doesn't matter if you think that. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, everyone else. I think did. all comedians. I I I would take it a step further, and I I think especially the really good comics i think that th there should be a sort of a, a a meld of what we're doing in the dramatic space and i would love for the academy to sort of uh recognize comedians for what we've done for the history of cinema and it feels like there's still like a, a sort of a bias against comics yeah there is for mm -hmm. sure yeah for sure and i think there's but there's still and i think you two are changing like i mean hugely changing this but i also think there's something with comedians where we're when comedians are cast in comedies mm. they have to play this sort of like arch version of mm -hmm. them like everyone has to be ace ventura or something <laughs> now you know like it's sort of like that worked really well when it did but right. i think comedians like like have to be like okay now we're being silly yeah, and i'm the drunk yeah, like yeah. i just started like not doing parts like that because i just was like i just yep. i that it I know why yeah. you think that's my personality, but yeah. I just am like you. you right. We outgrow that shit. Right, like sure. oh, the special that you're offering me this role based on that you wrote for me. Like I'm not that person anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I shed that you've, skin you've already. Yeah. Beyond that. Now yeah, I like yeah. schedule crying twice a day, and I'm like <laughs> in therapy, and like yeah. I d like make it a goal. I did um 30 days no trying to make um strangers laugh mm. or people like laugh. It didn't last long, right. <laughs> but it makes you realize how, at least how quick I go to like, yeah, I'm yeah, like, why yeah. am I trying to make this person laugh? Right, like, it's right. like, I'm in the Starbucks line. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, how low is your self-esteem yeah. that you think the only value you can provide to people? It's making them laugh. It's making them yeah, or they're yeah. not even, they're on their phone. They're laughing at right. memes. They're right. fine. Right. You know, it's yeah. just sort of this like permanent, always on clown mentality. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that was exaggerated because of, COVID and not having the stage and not being able to get that sort of emotional need out on stage. And now you're just like, 
you know, you're just going around just trying to make people laugh. I mean, I don't know what you were like prior to COVID. Maybe you were the same on stage as you were off stage. But for me, I felt like because I didn't have the stage, I felt myself having more of an inclination to want to make people laugh. Oh, yeah. Totally. And just weird. connect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Anywhere I'm texting, I'm telling, I'm texting jokes. Right, right, right. I'm tweeting jokes. I'm, I'm just, I'm just like putting out jokes as much as possible. Did you lose any friends to the pandemic? Just of like what? Just like not. Like either their, their behavior or their beliefs or their mm. the way they reacted mm. or the way that they coped. Like yeah. I had to mute a couple people. Yeah, <laughs> These IG the, lives are making yeah, me lose yeah, respect yeah. for you, right. but I'll see you in a couple months. Yeah, <laughs> I had to block, block a friend. He was just like. I don't know, losing it, I guess. But uh, he's a good, he's a good friend. But it's just, you know, this this pandemic's been tough, on, tough on a lot of people. Right. So it's like, it's been, um, you know, I don't. I, there is something to be said for the like. Obviously, the loss of life is like horrendous. But I always got to go. Okay, like big picture, silver lining, silver lining. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, do you think that? the George Floyd moment would have hit as hard if there, if everyone wasn't locked in their homes or if everyone I wasn't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I, I just don't think, yeah, people were less distracted and uh, they had time to sort of like pay attention to, to police brutality. And mm-hmm. that, that, that clip was so brutal that it just forced people to, 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 to yeah, everyone to was just commenting on it. Right. Like it was, everything was happening in real time. I think if people had the luxury of not being forced you know, in their apartment, they would have just been like, oh, another black guy. Yeah, let's killed. talk about the Trump typo <laughs> yeah, 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 instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have just been another. Because it's not like police brutality wasn't happening before the it pandemic. It wasn't captured yeah, in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. That and it was, was, it was, some of it was getting captured. It just, I think people were just, you know, they were just out and about and they had so much to do and they just didn't worry about it. Mm-hmm. But with, with, with the pandemic, again, it just forced people to like really, really pay attention. And so... I think it had to happen for people yeah. to react the way they did. When are y'all going to direct? Why aren't you directing yet? Very soon. We're we're working on it. Comedians directing is the best because yeah. part of your job as a director is to just stop the tension. <laughs> like just cut the tension. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And just right. make everyone laugh and, and be in their play state. Right. Like I just feel like comedians are specifically the like so right. good at directing. Right. Yeah. Our goal was like before getting into the industry was to transition into directing. Like mm-hmm. we've always wanted to direct, but we mm-hmm. wanted to learn, you know, space and, you know, how to lead a production by writing and doing acting but yeah the long term goal was directing and the main thing for every director is like I just wish there were two of me (laughs) (laughs) someone in post someone in the production I mean it's it's cheating frankly but um, and then are you do you have a movie in mind that you're uh, want to direct we have a couple of scripts that we've been developing uh the one that we're eyeing, I mean, I don't want to, like, probably can't. Oh, you don't have to, t- yeah, yeah, you don't have but to. We're, we're eyeing a couple the of The untitled Whitney yeah, Cummings yeah, biopic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about how hard her life has been. Um, exactly. Uh, you know, you know. A white woman yeah, yeah, yeah. In, a, yeah, in a big house. In a very, I get lost society. sometimes yeah, in here. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I'm kind of fascinated by your, uh, the last special when you talked about, you know, the drug use and the experimentation, sure. the microdosing and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the Over this pandemic is the first time I have ever done it. Nice. Uh, really, anything, I microdosed uh, ketamine. Ooh. Um, and then mushrooms a little bit. And right. then when my dad passed, I did ayahuasca. Oh, wow. How was that? I've, I, been, I've been thinking about that. You've, ne- you t- you've never, never done, done ayahuasca. ayahuasca. No, no, no. no. You microdosed it. So here, no, I, I did a full sitting for two days of okay. ayahuasca up in Topanga Canyon right here. Oh, really? And um, I was just in so much pain when my dad died and I, I couldn't even organize it. Yeah. Like I was 
also had like rage. Sure. I was just like in ra- I would put, pour my coffee and spill. Me like, fuck. Like I was like throwing <laughs> at things. yourself or at, at the situation. Just life. life. I yeah. was just like I just had so much pent up rage. Right. And for mm-hmm. me, you know, sadness is always right, yeah. or anger is always sadness underneath, right? Yeah. So I was just yeah. like I was just mad at everything and like everything, you know. Um, uh, you know, I know um, you you all have a estranged ish relationship with your father, a right. complicated relationship with complicated, your father, yeah. not being around. And, right. and my, um, I had a similar thing with my father. And I think, you know, I just, um, I was so angry that I was like, was I too hard on him? Mm. Like, I couldn't tell what was my fault. Like when you right. lose someone, you're like, oh, I should have fucking texted him back that day. Mm. Like you, I started beating myself up. I, um, I just, I just wanted out, mm. you know, I just wanted out of the pain. Yeah. And I think that comedians like we can pretty much anesthetize anything or sublimate sure. anything sure. we can hang out with a bunch of comics and be like this fucking happened to me yeah. like, and you know it was the only thing i couldn't like get out of um mm. pain wise and uh it was also just really sudden and like gross kind oh, of where was your relationship with your father at that point it, it was, was not it was never very it, it was not great right. it was it was bad money had sort of ruined it mm. and um, uh, because when I first started making money, I started just trying to pay off all my family's debts and yeah, get them health insurance right. and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, in a, you know, um, the point is I, I couldn't figure out any, I could only spend time with animals. Mm. Like I was, I went to this wolf sanctuary and I was just sure. like watching wolf behavior because they have such a plan right. for when the alpha dies, the alpha starts training the next alpha. Like sure, they're sure. so in tune with the fact that they're, you know, um, they, they prepare mm. for that. So I was just being around animals was helping me. Um, and then I did ayahuasca and the first night I, I was very like, eye rolly about it mm. i was very like okay like a bunch what? of people in like juicy sweatpants like <laughs> doing iowa like is this the new like soul cycle yeah, like yeah, yeah, i yeah. just so many people were doing it <laughs> right, you know right, and i think right, it's right. comics where like if everybody's doing something Got we're it. like yeah and um and everyone's like it was so amazing i'm like the fuck out of here like your life was fine before you know what <laughs> yeah, i mean it's like a need, bunch of like yeah. trust fund kids yeah, being like yeah. i really healed a lot of right. what yeah, 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 yeah. um you know having to pay like taxes on your inheritance like what are your problems like so i i couldn't really understand it and uh and then i think as comics like it's our our brain is to just find holes in anything sure. that's happening so for me natural skeptics yeah. yeah there's this guy and he's in a like a speedo and he's got like <laughs> like you know and i'm just like white dudes man you can make money doing anything anything, literally anything. anything. That's, that's we're not privilege. even questioning the legitimacy of this <laughs> he was in like beads and like lighting can't i'm like i'm paying you two thousand dollars like with what resume just if it is crazy at, at what they can do to make money right like, right, right. and by the way i'm uh, it's like a power of suggestion i'm going like yeah this i don't want to make the man mad like right. i have to make the man like whenever i don't do massages because whenever i do a massage i feel like i'm performing for the person i feel mm. like that feels amazing you like fix my whole back right. like i need i'm just trying to take it there take care of their right. feelings sure, and that's what sure. i felt like with the ayahuasca guy i was like right. oh fuck i have to cry or something yeah, yeah. so i don't hurt his white man's feelings because i'm wired to try to you know make you not kill me and um and it was like he was in my face and like singing and i was trying so hard not to laugh i was just like bro like this is too much he was singing and dancing and like doing all this shit and i was just like dude this is if a woman did that it would be fucking like a like a set piece in a movie about a crazy woman i'm in my head like writing jokes and shit and um and i definitely i puked the first night I just went and puked and felt nothing. Hmm. And I was like, this is a total scam. This is all power of suggestion. This is like not real. This is like all placebo, which placebo effect is an effect. It's fine. If it works for you, great. And then the next night I did a little more 
And then I don't know if I'm allowed, if this is legal, but I went and smoked a little weed because I was so bored. I was so bored. I was Isn't like, it an all day thing? Like you take it and your body's just gone? like five hours. Jeez. And the good thing is I did get to get a notebook and I was like writing like a, like a you were, for a script, yeah. you know? So I was like, okay, if I can like at least write, I'll be okay. But I was like sitting on this fucking pillow. I was so bored. I just like want, I was like, can I play Fruit Ninja, please? Like I was so <laughs> bored. And then I smoked some weed and yeah. came back in and I did have... It, it wasn't like some transformative, like tie dye, like I'm in the sky thing. It was, I, I, I didn't hallucinate. I realized that during life all the time I hallucinate. Uh. So there was just these, a couple realizations that came over me that was like, oh, that family member that hates me, that, yeah. that I gave money to, that I can't understand why they hate me because yeah. I tried to help them. Oh my God, of course they hate me. When someone, when you don't have something and someone gives it to you, all of a sudden they're just a reminder yeah. of, of the fact that you needed that. Like I was right. like, I just saw myself through other people's perspective, like comics that I didn't think liked me. I was like, Oh my God, of course they didn't like me. I was yeah. like fucking billboard being like, you know, like <laughs> I, I would have fucking clowned on me too. Everything was just like, all of a sudden there was like yeah. this wave of like forgiveness. Right. And, um, you narcissist, every, no one is wasting time not liking you. Right. Yeah. You don't like you. Yeah. And you're putting yeah. that on other people. It's all projection. Yeah. It's all projection. Yeah. It's like yeah. we spend all this time obsessing over what people think of us and then you realize like they're just not thinking about you. Right. They're not right. thinking about you. Right. They're thinking about themselves. Of course they are because that's right. what people do. Yeah. That's what you do. It was just like a, a yeah. thing of like, oh. So it was like a couple like super clear, crisp realizations yeah. and then I did um, like talk to my dad or hear him like yeah. talk to me in a way that was like, I basically it was just like, I feel like I integrated into my dad's not dead. He's still like here and other, right. but like the best parts of him are in me, right. you know, which he, is true. Yeah. Cause he used to be yeah. anything that I, uh, characteristics I had of my dad. I was like, I never want to be like him. I never right. want to be. And I, was I was like, like, I was like that with my mom, my, uh, my mom. I was like, I don't want to have any characteristics like my mom. But then I'm like, why? It makes me she seems me. like she kind of. And what if I use her uh, skill set or this yeah. inherited ancestral right. like pain? It's and make it into a like good thing. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. instead of being super But I think it's like you're just trying to like you're just you're 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 ashamed of yourself and you're blaming everyone else mm -hmm. rather than like honing in on why you're ashamed of yourself. I think that was a realization that I had. Like I can't I gotta stop blaming everyone else for my problems. Like you know what I mean? Like it's it's my fault. If it just doesn't work. If it yeah. worked, I'd keep doing it. It yeah. just like doesn't it's like a temporary yeah. Yeah. as you get older and you know, you start getting more responsibility and you're just like, wait a second, like I'm I'm a thirty five year old man. I mean, whatever problems I have, I have. And yeah. Yeah. Which is so liberating in a way because if if it's everyone else's fault, you can't fix it. Right. If right. it's my fault, like yep. that's great news. Yep. Exactly. I can I have control over that. Yep. You exactly. know, you can take an ownership, yep. take an ownership of the tragedy and the trauma or whatever issues you think you have. And yep. yeah, I think you liberate yourself once you once you do take that ownership. And, and I think there was something that I came out of which was like like just this radical forgiveness of like, okay, my dad's dad was in a war, mm -hmm. never said it. Like, where would our moms have gotten the right. skill set to? Right. They didn't have Tony Robbins or whatever. Yeah, but they didn't right. have Oprah. They didn't yeah. have like they didn't have any of these tools. Right, like, right. why do we have such high expectations? Yeah, of their ability to because of their sacrifices. It's like your parents make sacrifices for you to live a certain way, and sometimes it's hard for you to recognize why they had to make those sacrifices. It's like you don't contextualize it. You're just like you're supposed to do this for me, and that's that. Yeah. And then as you're getting older, sometimes you have to deal with some of their decisions. But it's like you have to contextualize why they made those decisions. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and you also have to recognize that your parents aren't perfect. Like they're humans. Like, <laughs> like if we had kids right this second, yeah. I, I think they'd have some notes yeah. for us yeah, too. Totally. They'd be like, dad, why were you on the set of your Oscar winning movies right. all day? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. You, just because 
like, you know, when y'all are parents and you're shooting in New Zealand eight months of the mm-hmm. year and our parents weren't around because they were doing uh, untoward things. Like the child doesn't really, you know, you're still gone. You know what I mean? You're still gone. So it's like you might be gone for more uh, socially rewarded Mm. (laughs) reasons, Mm. but it's still still absence is absence. So it's like our kids will probably think we weren't fucking around. Sure. Right. Right. Sure. And what are we going to say to that? Like they're wrong? No, because we use the same justifications to criticize our parents. And... Is it true that your um, production was the first all-black production? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had three. Um, well, Chaka King, Charles King, and Ryan Coogler. You know, uh, they were our primary producers, and it's the first time that you know an all-black uh, an all-black production team was nominated for best, best picture. picture yeah. It's incredible. Ninety-three years. <laughs> Crazy. 93. Well, that was also like, but for fifty of that. Black people weren't gonna, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. Couldn't so, even work in a business. I just, yeah, it's sort of like as soon, I mean, I used to have this joke that's probably, I, I we'll see uh, how this goes about how, like, like, part of the reason people are so afraid of, you know, black talent is because when black talent comes in, it's it's just like mm-hmm. tennis. Yeah. It was over. Yeah, right, just yeah. like as soon as, and then even country music, Hootie from Hootie and the Blowfish, yeah. go, number one on the chart. Yeah, it just yeah, sort yeah. of was like something around like that. Right. And, um, uh, but yeah, there's, there, you can't really go back once that right. is. Yeah, I think there is a fear. So uh, there's well. definitely a fear. I mean, Hollywood is an industry like any other industry. So it's like, there's a certain, a finite number of spots available yeah. to talent and you want to allocate it based on, I mean, I think the argument is you allocate it based on your proportion to the population but that's not been true for almost a century for mm-hmm. black talent where we were sort of relegated to the margins mm-hmm. yeah. from acting to directing to writing like we just weren't getting anything so now finally it's happening where we're getting more roles and now you still see there's a backlash to that it's like we're giving them too much you know what i mean Who's it's like, the, i mean but is that I, it's like is you know those little backlashes like i think it's important to highlight I'm also trying to go like, okay, on Twitter, I try to remember that 20, what is it? Um, uh, 22% of people are on Twitter and of that 80%, I'm sorry, 2% generate 80% of the comments. Of course. Mm. You know? Yeah, mm. it's crazy. That's been the main, the main uh, yeah. to answer your pandemic question was like, I was like, okay, we're, everyone doesn't want comedy anymore. They mm. want lectures and they mm-hmm. want to be told how to vote. And yeah, then I went yeah. out and I was like, no, no just, not the truth. we know no, that, yeah. that you don't believe that. We right. know we're coming to see a clown. Right. Be a clown. Right. We know that nothing you say is true they and that care. you can say something they, offensive yeah. and it doesn't offend us. We know right. we're in a comedy club. Yeah. Yeah. They don't care at all. Like you got to separate what's happening on the streets and in real in real life versus what's happening on Twitter. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a small percentage of people making most of the noise. And I think what's happening is like corporations, comedians, and even Hollywood. individual people, Hollywood, they're we're being so reactive to mm-hmm. these guys because they can go viral. Right. And there's right. a fear that if it goes viral, it'll be bad for business. I'm like, you guys have to learn how to weather these storms because yeah. you, you can't let two percent of the fucking country dominate. Yeah. what what the nerds that probably are illegally downloading the shit right. anyway yeah. and not right. paying for it's it. It's crazy. Right. It's like we gotta stop. We gotta stop being so reactive. Yeah, we gotta be like these are a small percentage of people. Let's go to the people who mm-hmm. aren't on Twitter. Yeah. wasting their and life also. Away. Can I ask you about just saying that and moving forward? It just makes me go, oh my god! Now all the pressure is on you guys to like make movies about all these like figures in his- <laughs> like and then when David Oyelowo was on and and and, and Ron Funches you know last week it was like can we just do dumb oh, black yeah, stories yeah, that yeah, don't yeah. have to do with race and oh, civil yeah. rights and oh, slavery yeah. you know like how do you balance that of like so many stories need to be told yeah, yeah. but also I can- think we're in the perfect position where we can go serious and talk about Fred Hampton, but then write a whimsical animation show about smoking weed and, you know, (laughs) 
going to hell to get your soul back to fighting a, a soul food eating contest. Like, I think we just, we have that range to just do different mm-hmm. things. I feel like now the climate is a little different. Like mm-hmm. with Biden in office and Trump out, I feel like there's going to be, and with COVID, with us coming out of COVID, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a sort of a want of happier stories because you know we've already in real life things were already so tragic Mm -hmm. so it's like let's 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 get let's get some escapism let's get let's get in a position where we can you know actually learn and grow together with people and laugh together i think that's what's going to be the appetite and also it's like you know there's so many different kinds of stories we can tell from the black experience that aren't you know uh and trauma and tragedy Mm -hmm. so it's like being able to like swing to the other side just telling jokes I feel like mm. uh, something that we're going to have to do coming out of the pandemic because it's I, I do see this pressure uh, this unfair pressure from you know people of color who are now getting some power and they're like now I have to tell all the people of color stories that are the that no one else will tell and right. it's sort of like oh now you can't just you know I think especially like if you want uh to, if you want like recognition from the academy and like to be taken seriously as like a filmmaker, you tend to like gravitate toward mm-hmm. sad, tragic stories mm-hmm. because it's like, that's what's going to, you know, garner that attention. But I feel like hopefully we can, you know, eventually move past that mm-hmm. and we can tell just human stories that are complex and not necessarily rooted in trauma. Have y'all, um, be- why do I keep saying y'all? I mean, whatever, I'm fully off the grid. <laughs> someone, I was with someone the other day who said off the reservation oh, and we were all like, Ooh. <sighs> um, but, uh, and you know, when you're not supposed to say something, you're kind of like, oh, don't yeah. say it, don't say it. And Let me say it and see what happens. And it's in front of your mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but have you been on clubhouse at all? I used to I, go. I went a few times. Yeah. It, it's too hectic. Uh, I don't know. I just, I felt like if you're not like, I mean, there's definitely a lot of interesting conversations going on and I listened to some interesting ones, but. I wasn't really participating, so I just felt like, mm. what am I what am I doing here? Just- so I was just sort of in the pandemic being like, okay, dumb white woman that is like, you know, participates in institutional racism, even when I'm not trying to be, whatever, mm-hmm. all the time, every, you know, everything you buy, everything you do, every person you cast, everything. Um, and there was, I was doing these clubhouse rooms to yeah. try to figure out why it's so hard to find crew of color. Mm. And why, you know, cause I was like, oh, I guess it's just most of the um, uh, uh, line producers are white. They hire their friends that they mm. that have delivered for them so many times. And, sure. this, and then I was, cause there's so, you know, most productions I've gone on, uh, save the last couple of years, the ones that I had power on, where I'd mm. say, no, we need to have like, um, because I would uh, have like my friends of color be on the show and they'd be like, there's no one here to do my hair. Right. And I was like, what do you mean? They can't do black hair. Yeah, like, what? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. just dumb, dumb. And I was uh, talking to a bunch of, I was doing a room that was just about like um, uh, hair artists, nail artists, makeup artists mm-hmm. of color. And I was like, what's going on? Like, why can't I find you? Why don't I know about you? And they were explaining that there's all these issues with the unions where they mm-hmm. have to have 60 hours of union work. Mm-hmm. But now most TV shows aren't even that many hours because now they're like six, eight episodes. Right. So not 24 episodes the way they used to be. Yeah, so yeah. there's all this like institutional problems with, within the unions because yeah. I'm like where why are am I seeing the same resumes over and over again or why yeah. is this so hard like yeah. did you um, sort of learn anything or come across anything as you were making this movie and hiring that you're like oh this is like an institutional problem that is part of a roadblock yeah. for access yeah yeah I mean I, I would say just the entire academy experience and competing for Oscars and like uh, just how you know certain uh, um 
certain uh, magazines and journalists, how they perceive black films. Like it's just a harder way to get recognized by the Academy. Like it's always like, there, no, they're going to be a certain select slots for black films and they, they have to compete amongst one another and uh. then you'll get one. And then even then it's an uphill battle. Like it's just all this like sort of like institutional weight against black films. It's like, we're not being, we're not being evaluated like the other films. It's mm -hmm. like, no, we're in separate category. And I, I didn't, I knew it existed before uh, making Judas and going through this process, but now going through the process, I see it. It's mm -hmm. like, you have white critics, you have white journalists, you have white reviewers, you have uh, white, yeah, prognosticators. white prognosticators. You, know, you don't have people What's of color. What's a prognosticator? People who predict what, what movies are going to get nominated. Do you think that those predictions end up manifesting oh, yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. a movie comes out, you know, and people start to say, okay, this movie is the front runner. This movie is the movie to beat. And uh, that, that, you know, becomes that, true. it becomes true. It becomes the, the dominant narrative and you have to sort of fight against that. Uh, and so we came out late. There are a bunch of narratives already written about what's the film to be. And even if we, like, we made a great film, but I feel like, you know, we were, we were coming from behind for the most part. And it's like politics. Especially if you're a black film, it's tough yeah. to come from behind and, you know. Because you're already, in, like, the other ones are already in someone's psyche. Right. They've already heard about it. They've already talked about it. There's like, and then you have an investment in, because most people don't like to be wrong. Right. Right. And then the ego comes in and right. you're like, oh, I've already put my money on this horse. Now I'd mm -hmm. have to admit that I was wrong. You know, like, right. it's yeah. just like, oh, that's, I've never thought about right. that. It's all, it's all strategy and campaigning. But even like in th with this one, like there were five really really great black film maybe even seven really great black films that came out that probably could have been that one black film right that, that got the best picture slot so um it's weird when you're like oh these films all have uh uh they're they're they're, they're good enough and great enough to 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 get the nomination but because of all of these institutional barriers there's only going to be one mm -hmm. and it was just weird to sort of like accept that reality Mm. Like it doesn't matter how great your film is, like you're still going up against these uh, institutional forces. Again, if if you had won, you would have lost. That's my theory. Now. Yeah, it's yeah. just like it. It was like I don't know. Yeah, I don't like. I I don't know. I don't know. I think it's like it's like two steps forward, like three steps kind of backwards. It's like. Yeah, it's good to be nominated, but the way in which it happened, and to know to know that these other films didn't even have a chance, like. It just feels weird. It feels it's weird. It's a, it's a, with all due respect, I mean, it's a, it's Hollywood prom. I mean, it's a, it's, it is yeah. like, it, you know, the way it started was like to sell dresses mm -hmm, and to get more yeah. people to watch movie in the, in the movie theater owners would, or, or, you know, they would pay for the Oscar to get, yeah, you know, yeah. it was like, you know, a marketing thing for the right, longest time. Right, and right. now it's like, our, your heart is on the line for right, it. And it's like, right. oh God, human emotions are now involved, you guys. Yeah. This is not just. Yeah, I mean, the thing about, for me, it was always like pragmatic. It was like, oh, it's good for the film. Like, Yeah, yeah, can, yeah, yeah. It's good for our careers. Like, yeah. I, I wasn't, I'm not like, yeah, I'm not, I was never obsessed with winning. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not obsessed with winning an Oscar. Was, more people to see it. It's all yeah, just I want more people, more people to, see to see it. And as a stand-up, you're like, okay, what's what's the best credit to come out to? You know what I mean? You're just you're just <laughs> thinking about that. Yeah. If, dude, if you guys, you will win an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, we'll and see. I will still be like, you've seen them on Craig Kilborn. <laughs> They're premium blends. Uh, they had a show on CISO. Like, comedians will never fucking do that. Right. They will always. No, I'm not going to say that no it will always be <laughs> shitty right, right. that's the thing 
Stand up keeps you humble. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It keeps, you, keeps, you, keeps humble. you humble. Yeah, we will. Humble. We've, you've seen him on Sister Sister. Like, it'll be some <laughs> insulting ass shit always. But um, another clubhouse room we were talking about, and I know we've talked about this a bit, but um, a friend of mine, um, like my best friend from college, oddly, is uh, 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 John Legend's partner in their film company. And we got on. Where is it? Who is it? Uh, uh, Mike Jackson? Mike Jackson. He's yeah, my best yeah, friend from Mike college. Jackson. Mike Jackson's a man. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a man. Amazing. I love He's Mike. older than me, to yeah. be clear. Yeah. We met at a bar when I was in college in Philly. Yeah. And he was like the promoter, and yeah. we became like best friends. That's crazy. Isn't that weird? He's amazing. And then he was like, I'm going to come out and be a producer. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And then, <laughs> he's uh, and he's then amazing. he's like, I'm going to dinner with these people. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> like, I'm meanwhile just, you know, and sure enough, I mean, yeah. He's Killing now he's it. Mike Jackson. Yeah, right. yeah. That's, that's yeah. I'm seeing him in Houston next week. Yeah, but um, yeah, he know he's known me since I'm 18 years old. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We used to like run around together in Philly yeah. and like cause trouble. Yeah. <laughs> he knows more about me than I care. Oh, you went to UPenn, right? What's that? You yeah. Went to UPenn. Yeah. I went to Penn yeah, in yeah, Philly, yeah. and then yeah, and I would just like stay at his place all the time yeah, because yeah. I didn't want to hang out with the nerds. Right. Um. But uh, so we were t- we're, we're always talking about stuff to do together and. You know, we were doing a, a, a clubhouse room, just asking, you know, uh, uh, people of color, like, what do you want to see? Mm. Like, you know, and mm. it was a lot of like, you know, because I went to see 12 Years a Slave at the Arclight and th- there were no black people there. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, and I was like, where? Oh, right. Got it. You know, and yeah. the overwhelming response is like, we don't want to see trauma porn. That's mm-hmm. not for us. Like, you know, seeing a, 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 a movie about a white cop, you know, killing a young black girl like that white cop is going to... Whoever plays that is going to win a fucking Oscar mm-hmm. for playing the nice cop, like the mm-hmm. nice cop that felt bad. Like, stop humanizing them. It right. was just like such a, you know, um, sobering. I think moment. Yeah, I for- can I can see why black audiences are fed up with uh, the trauma. I mean, it's been it's been it's a lot to roots. Like, like that's for yeah. white people need to watch that. Right, <laughs> right, you know right. yeah. yeah, it's for white people to learn. But I think a black audiences are like, yeah, we get it. Yeah, <laughs> like can we it's just bad. have a black yeah, Adam yeah, Sandler right, and just right, like right. you know? Yeah. That's what we're gonna get to. I feel like you know we're in a phase where a lot of like the. The, the horrific black moments are being highlighted, but I do feel like there's going to be a, a transition toward just, you know, more fun, mm-hmm. atmospheric types of uh, black films. Uh, we got to make that transition. Yeah. And I want to talk about just your influences for a second, because um, when you were talking about your animated show, it, mm-hmm. I wonder Chosen was Great. like, did Classic. you watch that? Oh, yeah. oh God. Classic. was one of my favorite. Like, I feel like we have a similar, yeah, like, yeah. you know, nerd. Um, like, I used to watch Animaniacs when oh, I was yeah. a kid. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I have, like, a collection of Animaniacs lunchboxes in storage. show ever. You know, I'm on a list to um, reboot it, but I think they just did with HBO Max or something. They did a reboot for Hulu. I don't Hulu, know. Yeah. Oh, for Hulu? Yeah, yeah. I was on a list starting 10 years. It's the first spec I ever wrote. Mm-hmm. When I was 18, I wrote, like, a script for Animaniacs. Oh, wow. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, do you remember Pinky and the Brain? Of course. And, like, yeah. yeah, like, I did the whole... And then there was the girl who came out. The cra- It was interesting because it was four adults and kids simultaneously. Right, right, like right. if you go back and watch it now, you're like, dude, these are all like Hollywood references that yeah, we would still yeah. get now. Deep cuts. I think that in a weird way was my first like, st- like I'm studying Hollywood and I want to understand how this business sure, works. I, mean, I think it was definitely the same, first. same for us with Roger Rabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who framed Whoa. Roger Rabbit. Yeah, I, when we first saw that movie, we were like, oh, Hollywood is like, because it's all colorful and you had the cartoons and the mm-hmm. animation and we were just enamored with Hollywood at that point. Right. And then Whoa. Animaniacs sort of solidified our obsession with it. Whoa. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. 
So we've always had like a fascination with Hollywood. Yeah, it's sure. also it's just like and whack goes whack. I was like, we weren't even saying whack yet. Yeah. Like it was like there was a lot of shit that you go back to and you're like, what? Right. Um, but uh that was big. Like what else like growing up was like you feel like we loved like uh Fresh Prince, Fresh Prince Seinfeld, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Rock, mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle, Wanda Sykes, uh, you know, the steady stream of TV sitcoms. Yeah. Uh Rev, uh, I already said right. Richard Pryor, Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy, you know, just Larry you said David. Fox? I said Red Fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Larry oh, David. Sorry. Just you name it, we were. And then what about dramas? It. Were you watching dramas as a kid? We you're started, like, no, we looked out the window. There was a Michael Bay right, moving right, happening yeah, right, right outside. We had it's enough true. drama in our house. Uh, <laughs> we we didn't really like get into like like cinema cinema until high school. We had a buddy, uh he's well, he's still our buddy by the name of Tassan. Nigerian guy who was uh, really, really into cinema and kind of like schooled us on on what's right. like, what's the best films. When and my to brain watch. and I hate that my brain does this, but you know when you first watch a movie, you're like, mm. oh, this reminds me. Like City of God was like the first yeah. thing I thought yeah. of when I that those like opening shots. I was like, right. this I haven't felt like this since I saw City of God right. in terms of the way that it shot, yeah. the lighting, the 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 um. Just the authenticity, because again, like we're in this business, like yeah. you're like, oh, that's where they put the camera. Oh, that's a light. That's not the moon. That it was like the I I felt like uh, I I wasn't watching a movie, and it's so hard yeah. for me to. City of God was one of my like big sort of like oh yeah yeah when I watched it for the first time I was blown away yeah. huge like, influence huge yeah. influence just it's mastery in terms of just like editing the, editing mm-hmm. and uh, the direction and the acting I mean a lot of those a lot of the actors were first time actors wild so which is crazy yeah. and that they filmed on location mm-hmm. and it's just like a lot just like went into to making that film and it's timeless mm-hmm. and I don't know I just love it but yeah. we watched it when was the first time we watched we watched it, it our sophomore year of college mm-hmm. sophomore mm-hmm. year of college it was the first time we saw it with Tassan. We were at Princeton doing like an internship and we Our watched fellowship. the fellowship and we, we were watching, we watched that one and we watched Oh Boy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, oh. whoa, this is like, like this cinema is, is weird. I feel, I, this is hitting me in the chest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I yeah. feel this isn't right. like silly. Because you know, American, American cinema has come a long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. It has been very deeply influential. And deeply influential. You don't get City of God. And I think the rise somewhere. of documentary, right. are people watching documentaries so right. much, it's raising the bar for movies based on, you know what I mean? Like right. you have to right. feel as real or else it's mm-hmm. compared to the documentary is going to feel fake. It's just like, sure. but the, it just was so, I was just like, this is, like I'm uncomfortable and I should be. Right, right, right. right. That's exactly how I felt. Like mm-hmm. this is making me feel things I've never felt mm-hmm. while watching something. Yeah. You but your own edge. Put like, your own like, edge. It's, it's just so cinematic, but they're dealing with you know, poverty in Brazil and so, so these like high level social political issues, but it, it all felt so real, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but it was so stylistic and I don't know, it's just a perfect film. Did you all shoot in Chicago? No, we shot, no, in, we shot Cleveland. in Cleveland. Cleveland. Oh, nice. And then um, were there any like happy accidents that ha- like, you know, they say there's the movie you make, uh, sh- right? The movie you shoot, the movie you make or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what mm-hmm. Hack said that, but was there any, because <laughs> like, you know, when you're making a movie, I mean, you y'all did it in a very different thing, but right. I like people fall out, people this, they can't right. do it anymore. The actress gets pregnant. She won't do it. And like, it feels like the worst thing in the world, but then later you're like, oh my God, like right. it was actually not falling apart. It was falling into place. Mm-hmm. Right. Were there any like happy, or you're shooting and you're like, we're losing light. We can't shoot over yeah. now. We're going to shoot over here and now we, this won't be in it. That we Like, was there any like happy accidents? I think, we, you know, we had the Panthers on set. We had, uh, <sighs> we had Fred Hampton Jr. like literally on set every day sort of critiquing the script and critiquing the scenes. And so there were, there were moments when like, you know, you mm. write the scene and you're like, oh, it's going to be dope. And, you know, I, we, we want to shoot it this way. We want to shoot it that way. And then, 
Fernando Jr. is like, well, that's not it how it went. That so one scene was uh, the the final one of the final set pieces where the cops sort of, you know, bust in and shoot up the place. And our initial sort of uh, way of having it was for the cops to sort of swing in Hollywood style and go through the windows and you know make it a real like uh, like. And I still think it's a great set piece, but we wanted to make it even more Hollywood. Yeah. And uh, uh, Fred Hampton Jr. on the advice of Mama Kua, she he was like you know, we got to scale that back because that's not what happened. You know, it was a little bit more matter of fact. They came through the doors, they shot, and then they, you know what I mean? Like, and 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 at the time, I'm like, no, 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 we got to make this shit big in Hollywood. But it, now I'm like, no, you're right. Get that realism because that's going to make the audience feel it even more. A hundred percent. It's not sexy. Cause no, no, no. It, like, oh, it's such, it's the right instinct, but, yeah. you know, to do, yeah. to go, we need to make this as compelling as possible. Right, but right. how bald in a way it was yeah. and how... Like, oh, yeah, this isn't the mm-hmm. the super, um, I think something super like, what would you call it? Acrobatic and yeah, do it with yeah, it. Like yeah. that would have been like, oh, now I'm watching a Hollywood movie. Right, right, Whereas right. like, no, this is someone's fucking life. Yeah. And this is climactic yeah. and anti, but anticlimactic and how just regular it feels. Right, 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 you know, right, right, right. how so not many, sexy it feels. Yeah, there's so many like physical constraints to shooting that scene if you want to you know capture the realism of it uh having cops swing through the, that's just not you know i mean you can yeah. an audience member is gonna be like, oh that didn't happen yeah mm-hmm. and also like we've seen cops they're not yeah, athletic. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. what i mean there's something but they're not athletic they're not they don't have to swing because they already conspired so hard that they, right. they wouldn't have to have planned mm-hmm. all that hijinks sure, like sure, it was already sure. Well, it was already. It was so, already done before it was done. It yeah, was like it was, all they had to do was go through the motion. Right. It was already planned, so it was very methodical. So you know, like you said, it, it just went through the motions. Uh, another aspect of the film, and I think Shaka said this somewhere, but it was like during the edit. You know, you know, when you're editing the film, you, that's when you're really making the film, right? right. You get all these, get all this footage, and you're trying to figure, okay, so what's the best way to shape this? And I think the first cut we saw. Um, it was very like William O'Neill dominant. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, because that's the initial, that was the initial pitch, that was right. the initial story. It was going to be mostly William O'Neill, and you know, we got we had that first cut, and people weren't really, you know, reacting too well to it because mm-hmm. of the fact that it was too much William O'Neill. But how do you? Sorry, I don't mean. How do you ascertain if someone's reacting well or not? Because it's you should be like, yeah. this hurts. This is hard to watch. Right. Uh, like, well, I think Shaka, um, you know, he invited several of his like friends filmmakers who were friends mm. and then they gave him not just gave, random focus groups no, 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 they, they gave him like some some specific notes on what was working and what wasn't working and so after that first cut you know we we, st- we they started to reshape it where so dominique got a bit more a mm-hmm. uh, bit more screen time right. did, you, it did um i remember seeing her for the first time in the jamie fox movie project power, power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, project yeah, power. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah which is a wild movie yeah, it's crazy <laughs> but she it's so she grounds it in a way right. mm-hmm. that i like i i buy this hook line right. it was right. just like and that's what she did with our film right 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 she has an uncanny ability to like just ground the story emotionally where you feel what she's going through and she feels real you know she feel it doesn't feel like she's acting you don't really see actresses like her in a, on screen like in, in a way that you know she was utilized in our film and so like I think it was important to make her a more prominent character throughout uh, and I think that again that was pretty accidental like even when the first script was written you know you know the the uh, Deborah character wasn't as pronounced as she should have been, and uh, I think that's a testament to you know like you know the, we, it's men writing for a script, and sometimes when we write 
uh, female characters are either thin or they're not like fully developed. So oh, they meant physically thin. I was like, no, 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 what? no, no, no. just like, like they're not, they're not, savage. They're not actualized. Yeah, characters yeah. Like we just dimensionalized. Don't know how to write for so it was it was a process that we had to go through with the studio. They were like, no, do this, add more of that, and it was like, okay, we'll do that, we'll do that, and then eventually, you know, I think she became a more fully actualized character through that process. Right, and, right. And then even in the edit, you know being able to utilize her a bit more to, to, again, make the film a bit more emotionally rich. Because if you're just coming from the perspective of Will and he's dominating every scene, you're going to lose that emotional connection to the audience because the audience hates Will. There's nothing he can do to make them feel any sort of empathy or or sympathy for him. So being able to utilize Dominique in that regard uh, just allowed for us to open up. And she brought out Chairman Fred's right, character. Right, right. She yeah. made him a more complete character. And their dynamic uh, just made the film more complete. And then what is the name of um, the, I, I'm just blanking, uh, Jesse Plemons. <laughs> Why Before is he so good <laughs> at being a racist? It's yeah. like, it's, with Jesse Plemons, like, I just was like, dude, like, cut. Like, <laughs> I, he, he, <laughs> when you can just settle into that role, yeah, right. like, it's just, it's such a service, right. you know? But, like, did you watch he's just that like process? A, he's a master at, at just, like... He, is he the next Philip Seymour Hoffman? I, I feel like yeah. he might be. He's yeah. a master at conveying... Uh, a sinister character but in such a like a sort of a boy next door kind of way yes. where you're just like man you're so creepy but meat and potatoes you yeah. got it honestly right, 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 like right. you're like it, it, he always like he, there's a justification to his heinous yeah. actions that mm-hmm. you kind of buy like and it's like I shouldn't be buying this this is crazy This he's a sociopath but like I'm buying it because of the way he's selling but it. he's mm-hmm. also plotting the murder yeah, of the, the black movie. man. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you have to be, a, I can't like you too much, yeah, but right, I, right. I have to like you enough to where you're able to convince all these people. Yeah, you have to have yeah. a charm. Right, right, Obviously right. you're able to get away. So that's the thing that, about- and that It's just more, it fe- it's more effective, right, you know? Right. You, you see like, oh, it's not some cartoon racist who's trying to, I mean, he's definitely trying to corner this black kid, but in a way that, isn't dumb. It's a way. It's a way that hasn't been seen before in film, where normally it's again a cartoon racist who's yeah. using all his power to coerce uh, a black person to do something. With this, it's like it's the banality of evil. It's a, it's a guy who's seemingly good mm-hmm. using all the tools of persuasion to commit a very heinous act. Right. I just thought that was such brilliant casting because it's like to show monsters as only mon like. The f- yeah. reason they're able to get away with it all is because they're charming and they're funny right. and they can like sort of talk to people, make them feel special. Right. You know, the way he was like, ah, oh, if you want the good right. liquor, right. like get it in the top. Like yeah, 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 it just, it, those are the people that are the problem. You know what I mean? The they're, ones. Yeah. 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 Those are the, the people. You, yeah. Those are the people you need to be uh, more fearful of. Right. You know, but to have written him as like just the perfect balance of a monster, but one that would actually get away with his yeah. monstrous acts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and being so convinced like that was was there anyone else in consideration for the casting that no, part? I think we all want it. We all I love that it. he's just like, Oh, so I just get straight off for, for racist now. <laughs> Got it. Thing. I don't even have to audition. Okay, wow. <laughs> Rude. I think I want it. I definitely want it, uh, Jesse. Genius. From the beginning. It's total genius. Uh, I just felt like that dynamic with Lakeith would be stellar. Stellar. And it was and they were perfect. the tension. It's yeah. almost like sexual tension. <laughs> it's yeah. all it's the way that 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 you know, Jesse's character is just sort of like preying on him mm-hmm. in a way that is mm-hmm. so dehumanizing. Right. You know, it right. was just like, it was just so bone chilling to watch. And it, and he didn't give you a second to 
not feel it. Right, right, right. right. His presence is always looming, looming on on uh, Lakeith. I mean, Bill, Bill O'Neill. And, and that's uh, what like what's so crazy about COINTELPRO in general is like it's a lot of Hoover was obviously a monster. Yeah, mm-hmm. but everyone else, not everyone else, but a lot of the other people that I read about, like the William Sullivan's, like the, he was the third in command, the FBI when they were doing all that crazy shit. Like they were just intellectuals. They were, you know. Family men, or or and they would they seem like you you would meet them and think oh they're not virulent racist they're right. you know they're just hardworking guys taking care of their families and but they there's such a like a, a an, an intellectualizing process where they go through where they're like no this is a justification these guys are a national security threat and they have to die we have mm-hmm. to neutralize them right and it's like weird to see them have to like rationalize what they're doing the cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. that right. has to happen the yeah. like oh these people are like the clan yeah right. there it's like it's sort of and it's sort of like, it reminded me of, you know, just like the big lie. Like yeah. when someone in power tells you something that is so insane, if you just used a second of critical thinking, but then you're like, well, you must know where you're, yeah, it's right. like the reason we still see a cop and we're like, we need, it's like, yep. you know, it's yep. just like, it's in, you're supposed to do the, how could someone in the FBI be doing the wrong thing? Right. Exactly. It right. doesn't make any sense. Exactly. They're, here to they're moral authorities. Like right. well, people look to them and they think that they're doing the right thing. Because there must be someone that would have, that's in charge that would like someone would have caught this by now like it just like doesn't make sense and it's too disorganizing to the brain and I think it's a lot of times why like in human nature we have to like tap out or disassociate when we hear stuff like this and it's so important to have like super challenging movies where you cannot look away because we're like oh the FBI killed black and you're like that's too much for (laughs) you know what I mean what else are they doing are we are we in MK Ultra okay are we all experiments are we aliens are we in a sim like it just is like opens a door to being like none of the walls are solid right And I think, you know, a part of us was like, you know, we want to present a story that is conspiratorial in nature, but it's like, there was a conspiracy to commit a murder. So it's like, yeah, well, you should question what your government's doing with your tax dollars to citizens, because if you don't, they're just going to keep getting away with this stuff. You know what I mean? Also, if I may, just uh, for people that haven't seen the movie or or, um, like missed this part, you know, Hampton was building schools mm-hmm. and you know and mm-hmm. and feeding children like wh- like the the fact that he was able to be ascertained as like a threat right was just like how did that well that's why he was a threat because he was trying to 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 build uh build up the community and i think that, i think that that was uh uh hoover's biggest fear like this guy's actually putting forth a plan that's going to bring people together right mm. like it's a serious a and seri- then being together is a threat Huge threat. You yeah. know the gov and the government wants to have a, a sort of a monopoly on services. Like they're 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 the ones who want to provide medicine and health. Right, and, right. and you have other people saying, "Oh, we'll do it." Then you're like, "Oh, you're saying it's that like the our- mafia." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like we're the we're the people. This is how we this. control that. Right. right. We need right. you to need us in order to right. control you. Right. If exactly. you don't need us, now we're. It's all about uh, sustainability for the government. And there's also, I mean, going back, I grew up, you know, uh, mostly in Washington D.C., where you know I grew up, you know, seeing. Uh, Marion Barry, who yeah. was uh, did did crack and then got reelected, right, like right. we, you know. But w- watching people go, like, no, we trust this person, yeah. even though he's doing crack, because mm-hmm. at the time, so much ostensible, like, like when you grow up in D.C. or I, I, you know, and I'm sure in every city it's a different thing, but you start to learn about stuff that's not in the history books, like, right. like the New Deal. And please, you'll correct me in the comics <laughs> if I, when I'm wrong about this, but like the New Deal, like for as much like good press as it gets, there was a lot of institutionalized racism. Oh, the way oh, that sure. they sure. built the freeways. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I had friends that I went to school with that lived in Anacostia and like you couldn't get there. It's like that in Newark. Newark, we have a, literally, we were on First Street and there's a highway that goes right There was a hospital it. built there yeah. and there was a, a highways built, cut right through. So, so people yeah. can get from the suburbs to the city. Fucking 
the the pollution and all that shit. So there's yeah. no way to stop by and get yeah. a Starbucks yeah. and then stop by at this restaurant yeah. and then build and business. And also like help the drug trade so people can just come in and out, get their drugs, leave. So the, it, yeah. it was a it was a a failure on many levels to to build a highway right through the the inner city. And then just looking at that, and then I would you know I would go to Georgetown University and like mm. run on their track, and then you realize it's built by slaves, and, yeah. and you know it's just sort of like the kind of um, the the number of things we have to actively ignore every day to get <laughs> right. through the fight. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Through the yeah. day. It's easier. It's like, I'd rather not think about all that sad stuff. We're here now. Mm-hmm. Well, what can we do about the sad stuff? We can't go back and retroactively change it. Mm-hmm. So what's the point in sort of keeping it at the forefront of our, our consciousness? And it's like, the point of it is to go through an honest healing process. You know, we haven't done that yet in America. But I, I think it's a, lot of a source of a lot of the tension that we have as like black and white people. Is like mm-hmm. We haven't done that inventory with the traumas that we, and the fucking horrors that we've put ourselves through. Uh, and I think that's why we keep repeating the same mistakes. And I also think that we're in a, um, a, a group of people who probably know this. I mean, I, I, I talk to, when I say that about Georgetown talking to other people, they're like, what? Like, <laughs> I mean, it is like a lot of stuff that, you know, uh, we may know, um, me knowing obviously a tremendous amount less, like most people are like, what? Like yeah. they're not on, they don't follow who I follow on Instagram. Right, they're not yeah. in my algorithm right, or whatever. Right, they're right. not reading, you know, or, you know, trying to, um, uh, or, or don't have the time for it. They're like, what do you right. mean? I have three kids. I have four jobs. Like, I don't, right. I don't have time to figure out who built Georgetown University. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't right. have time to study the new deal. I, right. we covered that in school. It was a good thing right. moving on, you know? Right, so right. it's like, there is this like g- sort of pressure of like, you know, keeping it top of mind, sure. but what do you keep it top of mind? Cause there's so much to kind of get to um yeah and that just brings me to a couple things and i know i have to let you go at some point um <laughs> refute you guys lost you lost the oscar yeah, we lost. Go, go back to podcast <laughs> okay lost uh <laughs> you lost in more ways than one you had to come do this <laughs> but if you uh, yeah so you won let's right. be honest this has way more viewers than the Oscars. Way more. No, way more. No, 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 you're no right. I, I'm like, this is way more. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to bring it up. Like, also, 9 million people. In. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, uh, <laughs> um, we have way more sponsors. Um, and we can say whatever the fuck we want. That's right. Uh, say whatever the fuck we want. But I was, um, uh, I lost my turn. Okay, so just in terms of like statues coming down and, you know, uh, you know, I, um, when Amber Riley was was on, uh, we were talking a lot about the um, history of experimenting on black women in mm. medicine and this like, you know, stereotype that uh, black women um, have a higher tolerance for pain and all that. Mm. And there was that gynecologist statue that was in Central Park for the longest time, who's a, a gynecologist that experimented on black women. Oh, like wow. it, it just came cool. down and it was the kind of thing where it was like, yes, it should come down, but like. You know, I mean, it wasn't saying all the horrible things. Maybe it stays up and right, you say the horrible right, things he did. Like, how do you, you know, keep this um, or make sure that this is in the zeitgeist that people understand yeah, this, especially yeah, yeah. moving forward with like distrust of vaccines and, sure, you know, sure, whatever, sure. you know. And like, what is the solution to that? Yeah, I mean, I'm torn on the the tearing down stuff uh, because I feel it's important to know the history and I feel it's important to uh, you can't pretend like it didn't happen right but could uh, you move out could you move it to a museum you yeah. can move it to a museum but to be fair that version of the statue was glorifying him like calling yeah, him a hero right. and eliminating the disgusting yeah. stuff you know yeah. but does anyone see a statue that's like we can't right. do this again this guy's a fucking well maybe just, maybe it like is a way to proper, properly contextualize who this person right. is and was and maybe put up like a fuck, uh, an iPad or something <laughs> That yeah. gives you like 
yeah. what he really did. And yes. you can now take the statute and say, oh, this is a complex figure that's forcing me to think about his atrocities. Uh, let me process that. And, you know, you know, then I make a decision whether or not I want this to stay up. Right, right. Um, I feel like, yeah, we got to inform people about the activities of the people that we're honoring because you don't want to honor someone as a monster. Right, you know right. I mean? But I think there's just, again, so much left out in the history books where it's like, you're like, oh, yeah. And like people are like, oh, yeah, Tuskegee. I learned about that in school, Mm -hmm. like kind of. But it's like as an adult, you need to relearn about what I mean, as a kid, you're like, okay, I think I memorized a couple things Mm -hmm. and I'm going to try to pass this quiz. Yeah. Looking at it as an adult, you're like the amount of people that were involved in doing this is so like it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. But then it's like, but then it's like, well, how do you process someone like George Washington? How do you process Thomas Jefferson? These guys were Mm -hmm. uh, slave masters. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But they're also first president of the United States. And we have, you know, we can't like pretend like they didn't have an impact on the history of America. So like, I don't think you should get rid of those statutes. There's just so much to uncover. And, but for, people of color to have to do the work is also like, you know, it's just so... We shouldn't have have the responsibility to do it. Yeah. Like, it's it's like, not only were we victimized and brutalized, but now you're asking us to correct everything. And it's like, that's just putting all the responsibility onto us. My thing is I can't, can't, I don't think things can be corrected, right? No, I think, I think you can, I think you can have a more honest portrayal of the history. Sure. So that's the correction I'm talking about. Not the tearing down or erasing, but contextualizing and giving it a more uh, authentic uh, uh, version of history. I think right, you can right. do that. I right. think that, that can be done. Yeah, I agree. Like someone should do a history book that's like, that's not what happened. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. that's just no way that's the full story. This like, is what's presented. This is what happened. Yeah, yeah, like this is like such a tiny sliver from someone who lives like, oh, just leave that part out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so, I, there's just something I, that I, I get so frustrated about. Like, you know, the next generation of like filmmakers of color and they're right. like, okay, now I just have to tell all the stories that haven't been told and right. do all the work. Like, right. again. <laughs> yeah, it's a know? burden. Like, it's, it's like, definitely a burden. The Telling yeah, for a Hampton story, it was like, it, it, emotionally, it, we invested a lot and it's like, but if felt like a worthy enough cause to make that sacrifice but like going forward i'm like i don't know if i have it in me to like i feel like operating i think you got to get one great story told yeah i I think we did our service yeah yeah it's like now can i go just be silly (laughs) i just tell jokes for (laughs) the rest of my prank movie like a jackass we just fired and exactly like Like we we helped secure chairman fred's legacy (laughs) it's like now i just want to tell jokes yeah Yeah. be funny again and so you're gonna be touring Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you already... Uh, set it up. We haven't set anything up yet, but okay. we're, we're looking into it now just to try to figure out like what's the best spots to go to. But you're on the road, right? I'm on the road. I mean, like every weekend until December. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Basically. It sounds beautiful. Yeah, right. there was a time when like we were in Charlotte and I think someone already knew a punchline that we had done because he was a big fan. Oh. And he was saying the punchline as I was saying it. And I got like really mad. And I was like, get this guy. I, I don't even know what... It, of course. This was pre-Hollywood Kenny. You know, this was before... <laughs> yeah. I He's see always it. been a diva. <laughs> <laughs> always been a diva when he was I, on the set of the female brain don't get me started on how many candles he needed <laughs> where is my trailer next, uh, my... Yeah, next to his uh, <laughs> uh, chair or uh, pillow on the floor that he got <laughs> I mean I don't even think we even had trailers we had a trailer one day for Sofia Vergara and the so. the, yeah, tra- yeah. the the tra- uh, the the director chair was broken and she fell through it <laughs> and we almost destroyed like the most highly insured like by health insurance ass oh my god and yeah her ass is like insured Jeez. and she fell through it and almost, oh my god yes and then Dion, and then all her stuff was with Dion cole yeah. and they hadn't met yet yeah and like it's it, like building
meeting on an independent movie where they're meeting for the first time and then all of a sudden you have to have been married for eight years and have chemistry. Um, And she like threw the chair out of the trailer just to get it, literally to move it. And it like hit Dion. (laughs) And Dion was like, is she in a bad mood? No, like we almost killed her. And then, um, yeah, it was just like such a shit show. (laughs) <laughs> of all That's that anyway <laughs> but yeah you were a diva well I'll get I was, I was uh, yeah so I'll we're get at back the show, to that but I need show, some press we're at the show in Charlotte this guy's like finishing the punchlines for us and I get I just like lose it I'm like you gotta get off you get this guy out of here I'm like what am I doing like this guy can't pay to see us he's having a good time and he's just so effusive he likes to say the punchlines uh, but it was a positive heck when it was fucking me up yeah I got real mad yeah it's <laughs> cause like, I can't come now I just I'm like oh I realize there's another muscle there it's a yeah, dance with yeah. the audience and sometimes you know they they want to be involved and i think it's like i think they for, love being involved. they love being involved mm-hmm. and i think that it's uh it's it's crucial for the comedian to be able to to integrate that into their into their set you know mm-hmm. if you're able to like be a little bit more open a little bit more flexible in the direction that you're going in because our first five years we were like we refused to talk to the audience mm-hmm. we, it was so just like don't yeah. talk while we're talking <laughs> well because there was also this thing of like it used to be the people that paid our bills were yeah. these sort of like magical men in offices <laughs> in that universe or wherever it is. And, yeah. you know, like these guys that went to like advertising school and right, now right. they decide, you know, whatever. We were trying to please like executives. But now it's like the audience really is your right. boss. That's it. If you're a comedian and podcasting, it's not like I'm going to fucking shut you up so the executive here from Netflix right, is going right. to see my hour. It's like, right. no, dude, you've, you've, you've supported me for 10 right. years. They barely have, you know right, what I mean? Right, I right. I'm still on the fence with these people. Right. Every year I have to re-audition right. for a job I already got, you know? Yeah, 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 so it's like, yeah. I go like, oh, right, you guys are my boss. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's all the internet, that's all the internet and streaming is doing. It's, it's continuously sort of cannibalizing the the authority figures that we have in the industry is telling us what we can and cannot say to the audience. Mm-hmm. What's happening is like it's sort of like what happened during uh, the printing press and with the Catholic Church. It sort of became less of a centralization where you you have your direct relationship with God. Our gods as entertainers wow. will always be forever the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They dictate trends. They dictate what they want. Executives they get they're... fired. They yeah. they right. something else comes yeah, along. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. like that's an ephemeral thing. Yeah. Right. The people are who matter. And I think uh you're right. Like you, with streaming and with stand up is like no, you have to please these people because if they don't like you, they'll just move on. Right. And my person. and my new thing with performing and I love getting back to clubs to get this mindset set back, which is like my only job tonight is to make sure that this group of people comes back next time I'm right, in town. Right, right, right. I'm not trying to like get a shot. I'm not trying to please everyone in the world. I'm not trying to like appeal to China and all these mm-hmm, quadrants mm-hmm, with, you mm-hmm. know, streaming global now. Like I'm right. just trying to make sure you guys come back next right, year right. when you see my name and go, oh, sure. we had the best fucking time last right. year. Let's and we're going to go again. Right. It's like pleasing your own fans that you already have right. instead of trying to get more of these like right. amorphous ones that probably... If they were going to fuck with you, they probably would have by now. Right, right, you know what right, I mean? Right. So it's like, it's been nice to just see like human faces and to see real laughs at things that in LA rooms or if I was just living on Twitter, I would be like, oh, you can never say that right, right, right. because there's this implication now that audiences are so dumb. Yeah. Like, and being I don't insult- get it. I don't get it. No. You Because I was once a member of the audience. I don't think I'm dumb. It, you know what I mean? Honestly, I'm just going to get canceled um, <laughs> for that. It's because a lot of like Harvard elite nerds have been like running a lot of these writers rooms and being in charge of comedy for so long Mm -hmm. and there's been this elitism of like we look down on anyone that you know has like a blue collar job or doesn't live in LA Mm -hmm. and just like you know and so I mean I've been in so many of those rooms where like the audience will never get that it's like well they're never gonna get anything because all we do is write dumb shows for them so how are they gonna you know it's just like it's so frustrating um, to watch and it's just sort of like you know 
it, 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 it drives me insane how and, and so they don't want to see something serious. They don't want to learn yeah, about, right, 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 you know, right, right. This. We make so many assumptions about yeah. what the audience wants. But for the most part, I think people don't really know what actual humans want. As stand up comedians, we're out on the road. We're interacting That's right. with people. That's right. We're telling jokes where they laugh directly. It's like, I think we have a acutely we have a better understanding of what people want right. but you know which is why I always get in trouble right. with like stuff around anything me too related mm-hmm. I don't always anything but I'm I'm generalizing but like when I talked it's you know I did this whole special on like sexual harassment I was like mm-hmm. okay this is something I am qualified to talk about sure. like I try to stay out of politics or just like amplify other people that know more than me I'm right. not gonna like pretend all of a sudden I'm like an activist and expert politician yeah, yeah, yeah. and political scientist just because yeah. I've been telling dick jokes for 15, <laughs> like this whole thing where everyone's like, um, knows what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah, wild. It's I'm like, I'm, st- I'm a clown. I'm still yeah, a clown. I'm just yeah, a fucking clown. Much, yeah, you want to laugh? Yeah. Come to me. Right. You want to be told how to vote? Go to these people that yeah, are yeah, smart. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not social scientists. We're not serious. Follow Don Lemon. Yeah, follow yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson yeah, for science. Follow someone, you know, like it's sort of like, I, what am I saying? I forgot. Oh, you're talking about uh, uh, as a comic. Do you love that you just went from Oscar-nominated writer to script supervisor? <laughs> Line? You gotta be versatile. Oh, no, it's just the idea of like, you know, when I did all these jokes on sexual harassment and right. the first stop on the tour was Houston, you know, and I'm going like, sexual harassment is, you know, this is bad and here's why in the office, like, why are men, why? <laughs> this woman in Houston, she was like, you know, 45 or something. She was like, just take the compliment and move on. <laughs> And it was like, you don't get to say that's yeah, an right, invalid right, right, point. Yeah, She's yeah. just like, I have so many, the list and the list of shit I have to deal with, yeah, this doesn't break the yeah, top yeah. hundred people things. People in Hollywood, I mean, you we got, tend you, to be too sanctimonious. Yeah, yeah. We lose sight of like, real people don't care about right. the things that we care about. They have real problems. It's a yeah. privilege to be like, Such that guy looked at me weird right, in the right, place right, I work right, right, where right. I have benefits and health insurance and get to work. Yeah, yeah. You know and that's what I mean? not to say like, we, we, we shouldn't have conversations about sexual harassment. We have to have those conversations because it's been, uh, you know, awful for many, many years. I think it's just weird when, like, you now you start to you police what, you know, if you're a comic and you're going out there, like, sort of preaching what people should do is, like, we're why, supposed why to be the care? scumbags or, like, or we tell, st- we find a way to get people to think about it. Um and draw their own conclusion. I just think telling people what to think and lecturing as if we... Right, right. Literally, we have the least amount of boundaries of any job. And we're like, we know about sexual We know the rules. I did drugs. I dropped out of school. I am in no position to, 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 you know... You know, tell people how they should live their life. Right. And we should be able to, comics have to be able to say shit that other people won't say. And that is starting to be taken away. Like, we have to say dangerous things. We have to... Be, be polar. I like. We gotta I, play with fire. I mean, that's what the comedians. We don't play it safe. I mean, we're we we play with fire, and I think sometimes, especially in this new age of woke, it's like it becomes a risk now to be risky. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that it is affecting comedy, but but I think the uh, people, I think we will prevail. The people that are like nipping at the heels of the brave are the ones that have never taken a risk in their life of and mm. really don't do stand-up of course mm. like it's i'm like all these people that yeah. are coming for us like when's the last time you did stand-up right, yeah, yeah, yeah. like or comics that are just yeah you know don't and, and who are we to like is there are people a lot of people millions of people mm-hmm. who want stand-up and, yeah and unfiltered stand-up That's right. who are we to like say that they the should same- have it's like it's watching scary movies. Yeah. Right. They don't want to get murdered, but they yeah. want to watch, you know, right. something right. like it's right. our job to sort of take them through a haunted house, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and then another woman, when I got to like the the after meet and greet thing, uh, she was like, you're going to miss it when it's gone. <laughs> and I remember being like, how charming this yeah. Texas woman yeah. who's like, you know, take it while you can, like enjoy right. it while you can. And sure enough, I was in New York like 
a year later or something and I walk back past this um, like big construction site, the Whitney Museum, which yeah. is being mm-hmm. built. And I walk by it every morning and um, I, I, sh- I was like, nothing. Yeah. I remember just thinking like nothing, yeah. I guess, like maybe I should wear t- like yeah. I, we have to be able to say our first our gross thoughts. We sure. have to be able to say all that out mm-hmm. loud. And right. and I just pretending you're perfect. Like there's no comedy in that. I agree. Mm. No, comedy. no comedy. If you don't have flaws and if you don't think gross shit or, or uh, do untoward things like you're, yeah, just, you're boring. Where, where, there's nothing you humorous. At? There's no the perfection is not funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not. I get lots of offers for ad people because sponsors right i don't always say yes i'm very specific could about- you keep saying yes and then can i get a big look at this pay you boost? guys want to see something real instead of a, a podcast host who's just saying what's written on a freaking piece of copy i'll read that there are shills i carry athletic greens with <gasps> me for real I am on tour now. I drink one every morning. I put it in my water. Sometimes I mix it with iced tea in the afternoon oh. for a little caffeine boost. Oh. I hope I'm allowed to say that. We'll see. And I put it in. I, I actually like to warm it up as like tea also. That might be weird when That's I'm so at fancy. the comedy club and I'm like chilly willy. And then, but look at this. In Look. Two of look. them. Two and of by them. the way, thank God these don't. You know when you normally put something in your purse ten minutes later, it's exploded Explode. everywhere. Yep, not it, these. It's not going to explode. Not those. Thank you. Well, explode no, in my mouth where uh, you belong. It's no wonder you love it because it contains seventy-five vitamins and miserable, <laughs> miserables, <laughs> miserable. No, that's you right now. <laughs> but also. <laughs> I love that you're just like, I'm miserable in this job. Sorry. Vitamins and miserable. Vitamins and miserables. By the way, you need athletic (laughs) greens. I really do. I haven't sat up straight in 20 years. You guys, I'm telling you, after COVID, I was going through some stuff. I was like not taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. I got back on the, because Alana Glazer turned me on to these a while ago. Mm -hmm. And then I was very frustrated because I feel like Rogan had this, everyone had Mm -hmm. athletic greens but me. And I was like, ooh, how do we get athletic greens? You have to look healthy. Apparently, <laughs> you have to be a good spokesperson that actually looks like they take care of themselves. Um, and so it's a very, very big deal that we got them. It means um, that they think I'm healthy. Well, I've exciting. often said I wish I could just eat all my greens in one, just one, yeah. you know, Jetsons Yes, capsule. so that I could, yeah. But, but bam, but what, athletic greens. And it also like, I like to do it like during a workout, like in, in yeah. the thing, you shake it up. It's yeah. just like, it makes me feel less pressure throughout the day because I'm not like, okay, what right. did I eat? Should I have carrots? Oh, I just had a carrot. Oh. Now I need to have a, wait, am I not checking all the boxes? You, not when you've had your superfood powder. Let's get to the actual copy. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. No trash. No Multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic. And by the way, thank you for not being like women's uh, uh, vitamin. health. Yeah, totally. Like right. now, you need, you know, which is always right. like so insulting mm-hmm. this is like everyone can take this it's not like like gender specific yeah it's not like patronizing right right um you need like extra stuff for your brain because your brain is tiny mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um uh fills all the nutritional gaps in your diet increase energy and focus that look how much energy people think i'm it's like on adderall unbelievable people i'm think, exhausted I know, people <laughs> think i'm like on adderall now uh aids in digestion oh yes healthy that's immune good. system without the need to take multiple products. I also can't take a pill. I gag. Oh, yeah. There's oh, a yeah. Bleh, bleh. Oh, yeah. Um, right now, Athletic Greens is at athleticgreens.com slash Whitney. Enjoy and join mm-hmm. and enjoy the health experts, athletes, and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. day. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash Whitney. Get your free year's supply of vitamin D and five free <gasps> travel packs. And yeah, we know buy. they travel. 
Yeah, don't buy. If you buy it from some other website, you're not going to get all that stuff. That me. won't be good for you. Athleticgreens.com slash Whitney. So I am obsessed with snacks. I need them at all times. Mm -hmm. I like to snack all day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, but I don't want to feel like uh, like, you know, when you like go too hard on something gross and right. then you just like hate yourself. Oh, all the time. I am. This is what we have. These oh. are our, look how many of these snacks we have. These we order them. This is like for real. And I don't know if you know this about me, but my mother ate pork rinds as a kid. We are from Texas. Okay. That was like our main snack. Oof. And then you grow up and you're like, this is You're like, I gross. When you find out what it is. That's so delicious. Right. But uh, I can't eat it without feeling guilty and shit. Look at this. Pigless pork rinds. As someone that owns a pig that named Joe, who I love like my own child. And will not eat pigs anymore. And it's all, look at, I'm looking at the ingredients right now. Uh, uh, full of flavor, free of guilt. It was made by this chef, uh, Dave Anderson, mm -hmm. um, who's like really big in the plant-based yep. world. Because yep. I feel like a lot of people are trying to get in on the plant-based thing right now. And they're just making stuff that's unhealthy. Because mm -hmm. a lot of vegan stuff right. is not particularly healthy. It's just like full of like carbs right. and trash. But you feel healthy because you have the Because yeah, yeah, you're just kind of like, mm -hmm. you have no energy. These I'm obsessed with. And look, I know they're probably really loud and the people listening are going to be very annoyed. Mm -hmm. There's Texas barbecue. Nacho is my favorite flavor. All of these are free of gluten, GMOs, artificial ingredients, trans fats, cholesterol, and soy, and are certified kosher. Because a lot of people don't know when you try to go vegan or eat healthy, a lot of it's soy, right. which is not so yeah. bueno all the yeah. time. I mean, it's crazy. And it's uh, plant certified plant-based. Uh, taking a, a meal in a bag puffs. The first ever snack you can also have as a meal. I love that. As people that like grew up just Nutri-Grain bar. Right, right. Soylent. Yeah, just like totally. Everything needs to be in one place. We don't have time to sit down for a meal. It's awkward. That ship has sailed. Dinner. Each bag has 21 grams of protein, has the nutrient of a multivitamin, including iron, calcium, vitamins B12, D, and E, which by the way, when you're like, why not just eat vegetables? Because I just learned when you cook vegetables, they lose all their freaking vitamins anyway. And you have to cook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're women. Yeah, we can't. <laughs> um, and so the fact that something like on the run is actually healthy. We've worked out an exclusive deal for Good For You listeners. Receive 25% off your first order. Go to outstandingfoods.com slash Whitney or use code Whitney at checkout to claim this deal. That's O-U-T-S-T-A-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-O-D-S dot com slash Whitney. Oh, they're on Instagram too. <gasps> Fun. Follow us. Them. You. I know I was trying to do uh, write a joke about um, the Neuralink yeah. that's coming out. You know, it's like the mind reading software. Mm -hmm. How it's like, oh, everyone's going to see how sexist I am. Mm -hmm. it, because my first thought is like my grandfather's voice or yeah, my, yeah. you know, something old mm -hmm. or something, you know, gross or, or trauma driven or competitive driven or right. like um, from my reptilian fear based brain, <laughs> you know, because I, I totally do when a female pilot walks on the plane, there's a little bit of a like. Yeah. You know, there's a yeah. first, and then you're like, no, 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 yep. nope, nope, yeah. nope. She had to work twice as hard to get half as far. Right. She's probably even more. You like have to sort of um, undo your conditioning. No, I was on, my first time in, in my life flying. Uh, we had a black pilot, and my I was like, oh, sh you know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've never seen. Is this a snake on a plane? Too. It, was, it was black and young, and I was like, 
what what's going on but he was actually an excellent pilot well, but, I, but it was like i was like a little nervous in the beginning i, I was like shit i'm doing it i'm doing exactly what uh, like a white person might do i'm like i'm, I'm nervous that a brother flying a plane this is crazy mm-hmm. but it's, it's like crazy. but it's like there, we just don't have enough data yeah. right. to balance out that institutionalized socially constructed right, right, right. shit you know I mean, if it can happen to you it can happen it certainly can happen to the you know the, the white guy who doesn't Has, know yeah. who's never had any exposure to right to, when in reality when the white guy old white guy walks on the plane you should be like well this guy's probably coasting yeah, right, he probably right, got right. this job just because he said i'll do it right. you know right. and the person that had to fight harder and be like you know is probably the more quali- yeah, like yeah. Yeah. if you think about like just statistically most of the crashes airplane crashes are probably from white, white dudes because there's more white <laughs> taking dudes. how many black white. pilots have crashed a plane <laughs> exactly. intentionally exactly. zero exactly. Exactly. white men have done it on purpose right. you know what i mean and we're still like that's our guy yeah, that's yeah, the dude we want to i gotta stick with him yeah it's like yeah. it's like so i think you know comics we say the ugly thoughts we all have so that everyone stops pretending they don't fucking right. have them and they can right. do okay like they talked about it so now i can address it i do that too and let yeah. me fucking work around the comedians shame. we cut the tension you know yeah. we we try to we try to speak as honestly and truthfully as possible and i, I think that that helps relieve tension yeah uh, when you're when you're trying to shy away from that or pretending that you're something you're not uh it, it does make things more awkward and keep right. things awkward but I don't know, comedians have a way of just like cutting through that. that yeah, like Patrice did it really well where he would just say those thoughts that everyone was thinking. Mm. He just said it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, You're raping my time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like that's a crazy thought. But also... Offensive. But but it's it's like... It's also the kind of thing that like, in my opinion, women need to hear. So I was like, yeah, I'll talk to a guy for three hours. And they're like, all right, bye. And friends on that. You know what I mean? It's sort of like... It was like, oh, I needed to hear that. That was ugly, and that. But there's a reason. It's if it hurts me, there's a reason why. Right, right, right. Like my ego's coming in. I'm being defensive. There's something true about it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I like. I'm, I'm like starting to make my peace with offensive material. I'm like, life's think, offensive. People yeah, are offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Human yeah. nature is offensive. It's just it's offensive. Easy to History is offensive. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The shit that people did, our ancestors did, is offensive. Mm-hmm. But like me bringing it up, like. Let's neutralize it. Let's work yeah. through it. So, yeah. it's, so we should know. have a right to, to speak on it. I mean, right. I mean, we have freedom of speech and we're, we're comedians and I think it's our duty to speak mm-hmm. on these things. So, yeah. And if you're uncomfortable, you're, you're, you know, we'll get away. up and walk out. I, but <laughs> I'm also probably in an, I'm probably going to the right area. Sure. If you're this upset, like right, there's right, something right, right. here, yeah. you know, assuming your intention is not to actively be like sexist, racist. Sure, like, sure, like, sure. Cause, you're not trying to harm people. You're yeah. just like, I'm trying to provoke. I would like you to, Come thought. to the show, leave with different thoughts. Right. Sure. When, That's when what I, we wanted to do with Judas, right, though. Right, right. We wanted yeah. to provoke a diet, a discussion, not just about police brutality, but, you know, being a black capitalist, you know, in, in the age of woke. Like, mm-hmm. is there some contradictions there, you know, where you, you're fighting for justice, but you're also trying to benefit my from sneakers, the system? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So th- those are some of the questions we were trying to get at with, with, with the film. I mean, it wasn't just like, the villainy of the police it's like mm-hmm. no there's a there's a villainy to capitalism there's a villainy to 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 materialism preservation which yeah. i must i must say, in a way can be the way to win because sure. they didn't they're not making another black panther b- to do a favor because they feel guilty it mm-hmm. just right. did it incre- made a lot of money made a lot of money <laughs> yeah. you know what i'm saying how can so, we make another billion dollars yeah right. so it's like just now it's like becoming very clear that these movies do really fucking well sure. So now it's, it's it makes me even more annoyed sometimes because I'm like you didn't change 
you're still a greedy fuck. Yeah. You know, you're not doing that. You're doing this for the. the well, I think there was a study that I think there was a study that said like, uh, you know, Hollywood loses like ten billion dollars annually by not making by, uh, settlements <laughs> on people that come forward. Settlements and stuff like that, but by not <laughs> investing in like stories from people of color, you you sort of lose money, and it makes sense. Yeah. You're, you're basically denying stories for an audience. It doesn't all have to be like black trauma porn. It can be more nuanced portrayals, but it's yeah, like... Black Panther wasn't black Black trauma. Panther no, wasn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was just a, a universal story that could be sold to a mass audience. And it's also just been proven that um, workplaces that are more diverse are mm-hmm. uh, more smoothly run right, and right. more prolific. And so it's like when people talk about inclu- inclusivity right and all this stuff, it's like, don't do it because you feel bad or get, it's just going to make a better movie. It's just more profitable. It's just going to make a better movie. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a more interesting movie. Like having diverse writers rooms, I was like, oh, I guess we have to... It's like, dude, your show's going to be better. Right. Like mm-hmm. you're going to make more money if you hire these people. Racism is so economically unsound. I mean, just think about it. Like the NBA keeping black people out. You, you basically, you're basically saying we don't want to make this a billion dollar industry. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then you let black people in. Now it's a billion dollar industry. Like you're, you're literally saying to yourself, you don't want money. That's how crazy it is. That to me, I would rather. Crazy. Yeah. I'd rather not make the money yeah. and stay racist. Right, right. Right. It's weird. Right. It's the same thing with like so what we do to wild. women too. Like we keep them out of the marketplaces. Like, but that doesn't make any sense. Well, because also remember the um uh I know especially moms. My new thing is about like having moms because moms know how to do twenty things at once. Right. They know what to. It's like the idea of like we can't hire moms. She's not never going to be around. It's like no, she's going to be like, do you need some water? Are you right. need, like handling shit? Like dealing with people that like crying ego. Like they know what to do. And I was like, right. oh my god, for so long I was told like or or shown like if you hire moms, they're never going to be around. They're going to have to leave early. And it's mm-hmm. like no, they just get all the shit done by five that everyone right. else would have gotten by done by 10, yeah. right. you know, cause right. they have somewhere to go and their yeah. brains are just like octopus brains, right. you know? And so, um, yeah, it is so, uh, it's so, um, hypocritical or what's the word? Um, self-defeating. Counterintuitive. Counterintuitive. Yeah. It's very counterintuitive. To, mm-hmm. to do that. But I think it's like just getting more data and more proof yeah. right. um, over and over again. Yeah. That's how yeah. you, you, you can only like rely on the numbers and say, okay, the numbers tell us that if we do X, Y will happen. It's mm-hmm. a benefit to uh, us overall. So mm-hmm. let's, you know, trend toward that way and you see with Netflix and Disney they really like invest in uh, voices of color you see it yeah. and, and they're, they're so different from every other major studio and they generate huge profits because they understand that there's a market yep. that you have to exp- you know, tap into mm-hmm. to, you know, ring out the money. You, yeah. you should never close yourself off to audiences, mm-hmm. but you'll be surprised what they'll want to mm-hmm. pres- watch and want to comment on and want to interact with. I know some people complain about like some of the, some of the positions that the woke crowd takes in order to ensure uh, representation in front of and behind the camera. But I'm like, I also believe that while some of the tactics are a bit, uh, you know, authoritarian i do believe that the results are positive in the long run in mm-hmm. that you're expanding the the nature of storytelling and you're getting more diverse voices and you're getting a more complex version of narratives i think mm-hmm. that that's it's, good it's probably you probably have to be that vigilant based on all of the barriers that were sure. put into place i mean you have to be uh vocal about your your opposition to the way things once were and uh so i think that's why if sometimes it feels a bit authoritarian but mm-hmm. It might just be necessary for. But change. I also think it's important that, like, just as sort of like to nerd out on this angle because I've spent a lot of time trying to like figure out like what is like what's happening, you know. And then uh, uh, internships used to be non-paid sure. mm-hmm. in Hollywood, so only rich people had the opportunity to like shadow, like rich people's kids had the opportunity to shadow right, them right, from right. a director mm-hmm. and whatever. And people yeah. from other economic backgrounds are like, I can't intern for you for free. I'm going to go work at a job, right. but they're not necessarily learning about the business, sure. you know. Um, so I think like things like that, that you aren't sexy to talk about, mm. you know, like my cause is paid internship, you know what I mean? Right. But just giving, um, cause in order to like, 
intern for a filmmaker at a film company or like, you know, an agency or whatever, Mm -hmm. you'd have to be able to pay for your own apartment, move to L.A., buy a bunch of suits mm-hmm. and then That's 30, live rent free for three grand. months yeah, 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 or just, yeah. you know. Most people of color from where we're from, they don't think they will never have the resources to do that. Ever. And it was just perpetuated. Like now rich white people are telling those stories. Now rich white people mm-hmm. are doing the jobs because yeah, yeah. they got the internships. Right. But, and it just is like a cycle it's of a cycle, like, yeah. you know, because the beginning of being an uh, artist of any kind is like, you're not going right, to have struggle. a ton of money. Right. So it's like, what, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the solution? It's like the solution is either you get more people in the traditional format, you get more people of color in, in, those spaces or you try to take the process and make it a little bit more palatable to people who don't have like very wealthy means like you 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 make the process cheaper you know what i mean how do you do that with film can i I, last question just because i like to do the dumb questions that are like awkward and uncomfortable and this might ruin our friendship (laughs) um but uh you know i also see a lot of awkwardness around this where you know, it's illegal to ask someone's age, yeah. someone's, mm-hmm. you know, background, someone's, ethnic, you know, it's like there is a little bit of like, OK, I'm trying to ask, but I don't know how to ask. Right. Like, I'm not allowed to say like, hey, can you send me all your black grips? <laughs> uh, or you're like, hey, are you black? Yeah, like, you know, yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. I was trying to pitch a um, and Mike and I were uh, working on it um, and uh, I'm going to work on it for free and not get any credit just sure. to sort of, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> An app that's crew of color yeah. that you can go through and it's got the resumes and yeah. anyone can submit. So yeah. it's not just that's like, genius. but I, um, thank you. Yeah. And cause there is a thing about like, you can't really call up if you're a union production and say, Hey, mm. we need, you know, a best boy who's Asian. Mm. We need a, you know what I'm saying? We need an LGBTQ. Yeah. Okay. We have two more slots to fill. They can only be, you know, it like right. it's illegal to put in writing, I believe. Sure. And so if there's a mechanism by which we can take to, you know, make sure that we're getting the the the, the representation that we want behind and in front of the camera. Yeah, like how do we just, all do it without like yeah. being like, I can't put this in writing or right. I can't ask for this or now I'm racist. And then the shame of being like, I don't know any black right, grips right. and I don't want to admit that I don't. I don't know any black grips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a grip. I'm not a grip. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a grip black scholar, grips? but yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know any black grips. <laughs> I've never met a black grip. Yeah, I had, yeah. but yeah, when it comes with like, people don't want to admit they don't know you know it's just like turns into just like a shit show so i was just trying to like take some of the shame out of it and i don't know how else to do it because there's so much talent out there like just on clubhouse which is you know i just feel like as imperfect as it is and chaotic as it can be and as like people trying to figure out what the ultimate point yeah yeah. you know how to make it work for you i just started like doing these rooms that were like okay where are you located? Why can't I hire you? Like, yeah. how come I don't know you? Because right. like, I don't have the union hours. And like, I don't know right, any, right. I don't have an agent, but in order to get an agent, I have to have a job. In order right. to get a job, I have to have an agent. It's just sort of all these like- So many barriers. So many barriers yeah. that, so I just was like, okay, let's just send, set up a thing, send your resume to this email. Mm-hmm. We'll start going through it. I'll just start sending it to showrunners. Like, I, you know, it's this, um, it's going to be an imperfect, very sloppy, uncomfortable that's solution. Why, I think that's why I think like the development of Atlanta could be a good thing. Like maybe like, Maybe, mm. maybe we don't have this. We have a we have a place where Black Hollywood can thrive. You have Hollywood, which you know it's traditionally white, but they work and they co mingle wow. and they share resources, and you you get jobs for Black people. So and, you're and pro segregation. I'm not. It's not segregation. but equal. I just think you know we we we, oh. we abandoned the policy too quickly. <laughs> we, have, we never allow for it, it to fully develop. We never did segregation. Fully implemented in a way. Yeah. yeah. Let, let no, us try it. 
<laughs> yes, the, uh, separate but equal, but like actually give capital to black people. Like let us like really play with the capital in a real way and let us like invest in production and see what comes out of it. There was an interesting argument. I, it was, a, I don't know if it was like Vassar, sort of one of these like very forward thinking schools where a lot of the students of color wanted to have their own like fraternity and their right. own sorority, you know? And basically they were like, that's segregation. You can't yeah. do that. But it was like, it was self, I mean, they were like- Look, we're going to segregate ourselves anyway. Yeah, you well, yeah, I mean? it was like, I'd rather not be with this nightmare, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Let me hang out with whoever I want to hang out with. And it's just, it just so happened to be all black people, and it's just the way it's going to be. You guys stop being annoying, and we'll come hang out with you. Right, how right, about right, that? Right, right. <laughs> I, stop, I feel more comfortable around black people. I'm sorry. How about you stop <laughs> complaining that the, you're out of almond milk, yeah, and yeah, I'll yeah, come hang out yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that is a very, that is a fascinating argument. I'm saying, look, I, I believe in co-mingling. I think there should always be interaction between the races. I feel like, but when it comes to Hollywood and like the the capital requirements mm-hmm. to make a film we black people in front of and behind the camera we need like a serious investment we need like a collection of individuals committed to the output of black film like a people of color a people of color not just black people but uh yeah and women too so as I feel like yeah if if there's that sort of recognition that we can be studio heads we can be we can be somewhat in control of the means of production like if we How get can you that, be a studio head? You've actually you've actually Perry. made yeah. movies. Yeah, what yeah. would you? No, studio heads have to have never right, right, made right, a movie, right, right. never <laughs> written a movie, never performed, <laughs> never have acted. I think you're overqualified. Let's be I might honest. Be right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right, yeah, your job is just to send emails that say circling yeah. back. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's right. The, yeah, copy. I mean, where do where do we get the capital to make our own stuff? Byron yeah. Allen. Byron Allen. Yeah. I'm not joking. Yeah, he's amazing. I'm not joking. Yeah. yeah. I'm obsessed with Byron Allen. Yeah. Uh, did you hear him on The Breakfast Club, his interview on The Be- Breakfast mm. Club? I haven't listened to it. I'll it's, to it. It's, he's, he's a remarkable guy, though. I'm obsessed with him because yeah. in the beginning, it was sort of the joke was like, oh, Myron Allen, like he does these shows, like the Comics Unleashed yeah. where mm-hmm. we're sitting around or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, comics, our job is to criticize everything. Every, the, and Everything. bite the hand that feeds <laughs> us. We are so the critical. only person that's giving us yeah. spots. We're like, ah, oh, but there's a shark in the tank. <laughs> we just have to like... Yeah. You know, um, and he, I mean, gave me one of my first sort of jobs. You know, he was doing these like hosting shows, hosting comic. Meanwhile, he was giving them, I mean, half them were women. He was giving, he gets no recognition for any of that. He was giving women TV spots when I couldn't get on Letterman Mm because they were like, can you say your uncle instead of your dad? I'm like, why? Like, this has worked for two years. Why are you making me change it all? You can't say God. You have to, you know, you can't say your vagina. You have to say your hoo-hoo or your chi-chi or something. And it's like, um, and Byron was just booking comics, like giving them beautiful tapes, um, shooting, I mean, hundreds of episodes a year. and. and then hired me for something and I went in and I and I spoke to him for a while for three hours he changed my life mm. he told me in your stand up like stop trying to please everybody just mm. only talk about what you're qualified to talk about mm. that's the only way you're going to not have people steal jokes yeah. and like he just made yeah. me because I was like I'm going to talk about airplane food and, and um, right. religion and dating and, the, and right. everything and I was also trying to neuter myself I was like I can't be a girl no one mm. likes that and I was trying to like stay away from him he's like just what are you doing yeah mm-hmm. be you and then he also explained to me in order to be like a Dane Cook at the time, you only need a million people mm. to come buy tickets, mm-hmm. which is like way less than you would maybe right, think. Right, right. And then he um, fixed my credit. <laughs> Swear to God. Yeah. I couldn't get an apartment. I couldn't get a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, call this guy. And he fixed my credit. Jesus. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a and nice he's, guy. he's starting to like finance movies yeah. and, you know, basically shooting TV shows on spec. Right. He'll go, I'll pay for a season of this. Right. And then we'll go sell it. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. He's, but he's, the, yeah, you need guys like that, like money guys who will get behind, you know, voices who are 
typically marginalized. But you're remind your that idea reminds me because he had to think out of the box because right. he was like, okay, so uh, I'm gonna give all these agents and managers all my money. How am I ever gonna make money? You know, so he started mm. basically um, the way he uh, built his business was he would go to press junkets and interview people. You guys done a million of those oh, yeah. by mm -hmm. now, and you the journalists only get three questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, not me. I get three hours. <laughs> what choice? What are they? Where are they going to go? Um, I have nine pit bulls waiting on the other side yeah, of that door. Leave! Do that? I dare yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But you down. he took. Um, he used those questions instead of the corny questions you probably get. Were there any pranks on set? Yeah, like, yeah, what was it like working with Daniel? Whatever. Right. And what you answer over and over again. He would ask questions for him for his own purposes. Mm. He would say, "What's your favorite meal to prepare at home?" Right. Uh, tell me about your pet. Tell right. me all about your puppy. Yeah. And what's your favorite travel destination? Right. And then after he got enough of them, he would cut them together mm -hmm. on like a VCR he got on his credit card yeah. and make specials that were celebrity pets, mm. you know, celebrity travel destinations, yeah, favorite yeah. travel, de celebrities, favorite gourmet cooking and right. made these specials that he sold one on one with no agents, no managers, uh, to like locally syndicated uh, stations. Markets, yeah. And he went for the midnight to the 5 a.m. spot. Mm. Everyone else is going for the 8 p.m. The night he was like, you're gonna have less competition here right. and this I'll be on all night. The yeah. security guards, the people that are overnight, work at nurses, right. there's people that are up, you right. know, and basically started owning that spot and uh, had nobody take any part of the money. Cause genius. he's like, if I give this to an agent or manager, I'm just not gonna get any of the money. Right. They're gonna take my idea. They're not gonna take me seriously, whatever. And he just did it himself. And That's was genius. like, you know, so, when you say let's go to Atlanta and build our own thing, it's right. like yeah, that's the kind of thinking it takes. I think it's, I think that's what it's going to take to to really have a thriving black cinema that's not uh, always sort of controlled by uh, you know Hollywood who who, who are going to necessarily say well we have to make mm -hmm. this appeal to a wider audience and so we're going to limit you know how we make this. And I also think that, that, and then I have to let you, I know I'm just now releasing all my resentments about, because also no one wants to talk about the unsexy stuff. So yeah. when, when actresses going down the red carpet and they're like, I showed up and there were no people of color. It's like, yeah, they were, they were hired six months ago. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like you're just showing up, you know right. what I mean? And um, they've been hired out. They turned down other jobs. You can't just fight. You know, it was like, it's a, it's a crazy situation, but the, the line producers are actually really do those below the line we call it hiring yep. decisions yep. and it's interesting because i was talking t in this clubhouse room and i was like why well you know why aren't there more line producers of color right like you know it's like a, yeah why is that yeah i mean you tell i mean I you know. tell me i mean i, mean, I think i would know more same. about the black experience yeah. than you um uh but <laughs> please explain to me why it's uh, but basically <laughs> we were talking to these um uh these like college kids or like tish and nyu and yeah. stuff and i was like is there like a line producer program or you know for you know kids that maybe want to be in entertainment but mm -hmm. are more into economics and you know finance but they, yeah. don't, they don't really want to be writers sure. that would you know sort of be able to curate what a production would look like you know it's just i think it's kind of a thing where no one says like, hey, oh, instead of, you know, going into being an accountant, like what about being a line producer for TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not something. Yeah, those jobs aren't like presented as like uh, viable. Like it's like, no, be a doctor, be a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, you know, be a dentist. Yeah. These are a a attainable, achievable goals and you're going to get a certain salary and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. When you talk about Hollywood, mm -hmm. you're like, what are you saying? You mean some days you're going to work and then some days you're not? Right. It's going to be, it's going to be like, yeah. You mean trend, like transitions. Like, what yeah. do you mean? You don't. You're not going to have a steady salary. Like, yeah, yeah. How do you sell that to a? a but to kid me, like, a, like line producers of color control, like the future sure. of 
And casting and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all of it. Yeah, it's largely white. Because it's like the people that get, you know, because it's like inclusion writer, great. And then the right. line producer is like, okay, where do I find all these people right. to make it inclusive? Right. You know, and it's like bringing, you know, line, it just I, I just feel like I'm always trying to bang that drum of like, you don't have to be a writer to be in Hollywood. You don't have to, you know, if you want to come make an impact in, in Hollywood in some way, if you're like, we're going to be an accountant or be right, in right, finance, right, right, right. like come be a line yeah, producer. Right. Like, come. I mean, I think, I think what we got to do is like, we got to, we got to have the Jay-Z's, the Oprah Winfrey's, yep. the, the billionaires out there say finally say like look we have the, the money Owens. the Candace Owens <laughs> the billionaires out there we got it we got the money like we got the capital let's and invest we have a in, way to raise the capital and we have a way to raise capital mm-hmm. you have the internet you can raise money in, in no time so it's like we have the the means let's let's take a risk let's, also I'm gonna be a annoying um the, as my dog knocks over my single um honestly fair but is <laughs> starting a podcast and making money off a podcast then all of a sudden like yeah. Do you guys want to start a podcast or no? I will. I'm not against it. I'm not against it. I just want to make sure it's a, it's something that I can like really sink my teeth in. Right. Yeah. And, and that I have something to say. It's like, yeah. I don't want to just do it for the sake of doing it because mm-hmm. everyone else is doing it. I want right. to make sure like it's a good idea that I can. Right. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And it's like whatever it is. But like the amount of money you, that is being made right now. In right. Space, right. So is it a lot? Yeah. Really? I mean... Look at me. Look how I dress. (laughs) I mean, I'm obviously making a ton of money. Um, No, but it's, you know, it's just like, it's right now is such a, and and it's just, and I hate to add another obligation to your, like, voices of color. We need more of it. But like when they are on, it's like, yes, like, I I think a lot of people are like, yes, I need to learn all this, but I don't know where to learn it. I don't know who to listen to. Like, I'm still getting biased information from people that are like performative activists and like, mostly white people are talking about this problem Mm -hmm. because black people are like, I'm not going to give you my free labor right now. I don't need to talk about this. It's your job to learn, but it's like having a, you know, a podcast where it's either about you know, that kind of stuff or not at all. Mm -hmm. You you don't feel like it's like taken away from stand-up? Like, do you feel like how do you balance your stand-up with your podcasting? I know I see a lot of people doing it very well. It's interesting. Uh, uh, I don't think I'm particularly funny when I'm yeah. not doing stand-up. Right. So it's maybe, uh, I, I think the main thing I'm going to say is that because I think I'm, I, I, am a like verbal diarrhea oversharer <laughs> it makes people just more connected to sure, me when right. they come it's just like the yeah. meet and greets are longer yeah people have like letters and like it's just more of a like whoo i have to really nail this because these people have given me three hours a week right, of their time right, right. you know right, it's right. there's there's no like notebook where i'm like what else is that? i'm just like yeah. i'm fucking yeah. gonna deliver yeah, yeah. but are, are they like listening to you like a comedian though like when you go up there now I mean, as a podcaster, it's like it's more free form. So it's mm-hmm. like, do they have an expectation for like punchlines written or do they want you to be more conversational? Well, that's an interesting. I think I already needed to be a little bit more conversational. So it forces you to go So that this route. has helped, but mm-hmm. it's also helped me be more economical in a way because yeah. I'm like, that's a different thing. Here I get to say this one thing four different ways because right, right, right. I do that because I yeah. wasn't hurt as a child and I'm like, keep <laughs> saying it over and over again in different yeah. iterations. Right, right. right. Um, it's like you have a microphone. People see you and they hear you. You're literally being recorded and filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I go on stage, it's all about, ah, we got to lose those two words. Ah, mm-hmm. So it, it is, mm-hmm. I have to get more surgical and write stuff out because mm. I'm like, oh, I can't just bank on blathering. Right, right, right. Because right, it's right. now, you know, because when you take two words out of the setup, all of a sudden, you it's know, you gone. get an applause break yeah, instead yeah, of a laugh, yeah, you know. So yeah. I appreciate, it makes me uh, appreciate stand-up more uh. in a way because I, I love leaving and going, I know what happened. Yeah. I know why that worked. I know why it didn't work. Whereas this, I never fucking know. Right. right. I'm like, why did anyone listen to that? Yeah. And then the one I think is great, I'm like, no one, that was the, that didn't, 
do as well as right. the one where I fucking had, was yeah, slurring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's it, weird. It has shown me that there, uh, imperfection is and authenticity is probably mm -hmm. the best way to go regardless. Oh, yeah. It's also forced me to be more, more honest in my stand-up because I used right. to kind of cheat. I'd be like, yeah. oh, this guy I'm dating. And everyone's like, we know you're dating this guy. <laughs> you know? Like, right, right, right. You know, I just went through a breakup. They're like, <laughs> a year ago? You know, so you can't yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. fool them. Right. You know, it forces you to be more specific. Right. right. Well, I, what percentage of the, of the audience would you say is like from, from podcasting versus like pure stand-up? That's such a good question. And uh, I don't know if I know, totally know the answer because mm. I think once you're, you're also get people from being guests on other people's podcasts. Uh, so there's yeah, a lot of people yeah, that show up that are, they're like, I love you on Rogan. And yeah. I'm like, oh, thank you. Yeah. And they're like, you have a podcast? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Or like Bobby Lee's podcast yeah, or yeah, Tiger, yeah. you know, those yeah. are big podcasts. So it's like, you know, they'll know me from other people's or H3H3, mm -hmm. which is what I do a lot. That's a YouTube one. My girlfriend that's... loves H3H3. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, oh, gosh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, they're my friends now. Yeah. <laughs> I love them. I didn't really know about them before. Right. Well, she she found out about you from that really. One, so That's now she watches, not yeah. from watching the female brain. Wow, wow. She was, doesn't watch anything. There was not a screening. Uh, it is now on Hulu. So yeah, let's. Yeah, I know sure. what y'all are doing tonight. Yeah. I'm watching the first four minutes of female brain. <laughs> Please, when you in 80 years, I hope that's your in memoriam <laughs> in the Oscars. It's just you like watching when. <laughs> why don't they have a prank in memoriam? They should. Right? Like, Let's like lighten the mood a little bit. Yeah, like when it's, the mood a little bit. When it's like um, Robert Downey Jr., it should be from like Shaggy Dog. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, like yeah, everyone's yeah. most embarrassing yeah. credits. I think that's funny. That's hilarious. And then um, uh, uh, now I'm being, and now I know why I'm not being asked to host ideas like that. <laughs> um, was it with the Francis, Francis McDormand I'm obsessed with? Right. She's just like wild. Oh and, my God. It was like seeing, you know, you, you have, she had an aura. You, you, mm -hmm. I've watched her since. I mean, Fargo, that's like the first time I came in, con in contact with her and to see her in person. And like, I was just like, I just want to, just want to talk to you. And I, I was obviously like, just, I, I was starstruck. I was, I was, I was legitimately starstruck. Mm -hmm. And then when she went up and howled, was that like a, what I was, was like, the energy oh, in, the mood, I, I, in the room? I, so I did a little bit more research. So apparently uh, the editor of the film died. His last name was Wolf. Mm. And so she was howling As a to tribute. pay respect to the editor. Right. Well, that really ruins my skit. <laughs> it just really ruined my skit. Strike it from the, yeah, you never heard it. You know uh, what I mean? That Sorry. is not as funny now. But, I, but. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm glad. No, now I'm processing Apologize. it. And I'm going, oh my God. I yeah, because when I first heard it, I was like. I saw wolves when I, my dad died. Yeah, like, now I have something yeah. to talk to Fran about when I meet right. her. Okay, got it. Okay, cool. Right, we just right. became closer. Yeah, yeah. But like, she's, um, I, you know, her at the, you know, last Oscars or was it two Oscars ago when she talked about the inclusivity mm -hmm. writer? It was like, yeah, yeah. like when something like that happens, are you like, thank you? Or are you, is, is what is that? Not thank you. Like, or is there like a, no, I think finally you, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I think you want voices like, like, her, yeah, like she's respect. an institution. She's well respected in the, in, in the, in the, in the industry. Mm -hmm. She's also a tour de force and as a producer and an producer, actor. So like you want, you want her you want speaking mm -hmm. out. Yeah. yeah. And she was doing it before it became popular, popular. to do it. Yeah. Cause it's always my question of like, do you, Want, like our Hollywood I mean she's like a you know not I wouldn't put in the pool of just like Hollywood people it's like is are, are there certain people when they talk you're like okay we, we don't need your help yeah, 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 yeah. like you maybe know <laughs> Right, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. For Francis, I take, I take, I take her seriously. I, yeah. I listen to her, and yeah. I, I, I feel it's like it's clearly I've, not for likes, and no, it's not right, performative. No. She's right. not, yeah, she's, it's not self-righteous. She's like 
raw and honest and like to give chloe the the space to create that film and to stand behind her yeah. and to be sort of like 100 like for her a uh, campaigner you can just see that she's 100 committed to like getting voices out there that aren't traditionally heard and it's and in using your power and and i've you know been talking to some like more famous actresses um uh that you can say i'm i need half of the makeup in the trailer to be black on right you can I say want, that yeah. I, I only request pat mcgrath or yeah, right, this right. uh apara like black owned beauty like right. you, you can, can yeah. do that absolutely do it yeah. you know so i think it's like when i see a lot of actresses just being like guys like where are all like the, what's going on with this like yeah. 10 years after the you know right. damage has been done or whatever it's just sort of like this is why the number one through four on the call sheet you can decide a mm -hmm. lot about I, what most, goes on. The most powerful people in Hollywood are the white and white and white actors and actresses. Yeah. I mean, especially the ones at the top of it. Like and you can say, I want to shoot here, I want to yeah, shoot yeah. downtown, I want to shoot in this no area, like, I want to shoot in Atlanta. Yeah. Like do something, yeah. you know, with that power. And it's like no skin off your back. And look right. at what I mean, look what Brad Pitt is doing. I mean, he's he's taking yeah, he's he's right. yeah, he's working with a lot well, of Jeremy Kleiner, who right. is like I mean, he's right. he Moonlight. They did yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Minari. Yeah, they, yeah. They've done a lot of films uh, from filmmakers of uh, color, and I think that that's I think that's a good test case of someone who's in a very powerful position using that power to, and it doesn't to amplify impact, uh, and it doesn't uh, impact voices. his star power at all. Right. No, he's still you know making blockbusters. He's getting Oscars. He's still he's still operating in the very high level of breadth pit right. space that you, he can only achieve. Yeah. But to take some of the time that he has to amplify other voices, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I'm talking about. That guy is probably one of the most powerful people in Hollywood, but he's using that power to And not a lot amplify. of people even know that. That's yeah. the other thing. It's right. like, don't do it for, uh, uh, you do it when no one else is watching too. Right, yeah. Right, do you know right, what I mean? Right, right. It's like, don't just do it for like Instagram or, you know, whatever. Like when I see someone on the set just taking pictures with people of color and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, don't yeah, take yeah, that picture. Yeah, just yeah. go do the work. Yeah, yeah. do the work. Yeah. yeah. So it's like he's someone that's not like every time he does the least he can do. He's yep. like, look at this thing I did. Right. I deserve a job. Like, like, people were mad that he was in 12 Years a Slave. Like he's a white savior. I'm like, yeah, but he paid for it. He paid for it. Give him a scene. He's the financier that check <laughs> cleared. Give, give, give him one scene. It's cool. It's Brad Pitt. All right. <laughs> I know I have to let you guys go. This is this great. Is I want to come back. Can we come back? I love you. I would yeah. I will I would die to have you come back. I already spent um the first couple minutes I was with you off camera trying to convince you not only to move to LA <laughs> but to move in my home. Yes, yes. Um, you gave us a hard sell. Yeah, you don't have to wash <laughs> yeah. any windows. I will do that. I I do not have someone for that. I hope that's okay. I know. Will you ask me to move <laughs> and wash your windows? <laughs> I just we're doing reshoots on the female brand. <laughs> now that you're super famous. The Oscar we just want, window wash. We just want to pick this up. <laughs> do it. Um, and then uh, and then you're going back to New York, but in terms of LA, New York, you kind of commute. Yeah, 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 yeah. we're gonna be back out here. Uh, we're shooting something for Complex. Yeah, we're doing it at the Comedy Store actually. Oh, uh, when? I don't know when. Fall. I think it's, I think it's either fall. late summer or early fall. Right. Oh wow! Yeah, it opens up uh, this week. Oh really? Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. Let me know if you want to do. When do you leave? Uh, we leave tomorrow. Oh uh, okay. But we're gonna be coming back. Well, there's also so last. Okay, last last observation is that we spent. <laughs> You live here now. <laughs> we spent all this time two years before going, everyone in Hollywood is a scumbag. Everyone in Hollywood is a sexual yeah, predator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone in Hollywood is racist, disgusting. And then yeah. we're like, you need to listen to us. <laughs> when it but not us, not us. Yeah, not, I mean, we <laughs> all knew about Harvey. You need to listen to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Jeffrey Epstein financed every movie I've ever yeah, done, but listen yeah, to me yeah, when it comes yeah. to voting. So right. it's like, 
Hollywood people want to be these like martyrs that like call people and say how disgusting the business is, right, but right. then they want to go, you should listen to us because right, 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 we're right. the upstanding It's a strange uh, cognitive dissonance. Like on the one hand, you know, you're you're recognizing that this is a pretty creepy place and kind of a scummy place historically. But then on the other hand, he's like, but not me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I think different. it's just like attention at all costs. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, I need to do this for attention. I whatever, need to, okay, yeah. now I'm going to go on this train, this right, clickbait. Right. Yeah, attention by any means necessary. Yeah. 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 So and it's if, like, if woke is in, then I'm woke. I I'd rather, I feel like, I'd rather go away. I, it's like Donald Glover. I was, I'm just like, go away. He yeah. goes away, has mm-hmm. his life. Yeah. Actually, you know, for, you know, art to imitate life, you have to have a life. If right. he goes, has a life, yeah. comes back and yeah. just kills it. Like, yeah. the, not being worried about disappearing or being irrelevant. Right, right, right. I think right. it was Patton Oswalt. I think I was reading somewhere where he said, like, a lot of times he gets material just from living. Like, he doesn't feel Yeah, like, need. the best way to grow as a comedian is to not do comedy for six months <laughs> yeah, and just go live. And live, yeah. yeah. And live. Live for a little bit. Like, I, with this Judas experience, is like, I got to operate in a space that I've never operated in as a comedian. And I took some time just to like, I want to fully process it. Now when I go back out on the road and I, I, I'm getting back into my comedy, I had, I'm like, I got something to talk about. I got like a lot of shit that I can talk and like about. And like implement the new right. evolution right, right, instead right. of like doing an impression of yourself. Because a lot of times right. we're just doing an impression of ourselves. Right, like yeah, this right. worked before. Right, right, right. And this keep doing this, keep exactly, doing this. That's exactly yeah. what it is. That's exactly and what it is. And then you don't evolve. Nope. Mm-hmm. You know, nope. I always feel like, you know, people sometimes say to me like, your, your first special was so different than your... I'm like, I'd hope yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New life experiences. Yeah, like I would grown, hope that yeah. I'm more secure and right. more right. controlled and less screaming and less desperate and the yeah. jokes are smarter. Like, right. I'd hope so. Right. And then when they're like, oh, this last special was your best special yet. I'm like, I'd hope that's, so. Yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to do better than that first one. You're going right. to do better than the previous one. Right. Yeah, people that's like, your goal. first special wasn't as good as the fourth one. I'm like, I would hope so. I yeah. <laughs> Imagine if I peaked in my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I just... I think I think the main thing we've learned from the pandemic in terms of, is that like we can dig deeper and think about wh- anyone that hasn't spent this time going who the fuck yep, do yep. I want to be what do I want to say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like how do I want to really impact how do I want them to feel when they leave the theater you yeah, know right, right, right. and like yes this is going to work but like am I moving what, the ball down exactly, the field exactly, yeah exactly. like I'm more committed than ever now to like just making people happy like I, I want to make people think, but I just I I want them to be happy. Like I want mm-hmm. them to come to my show and be like, man, that was a pleasant hour. Yeah. Like that was a I, I went there, I laughed, and, and it was fun. Mm-hmm. And I want to come back to that. Like it's like I understand that now. Like before the pandemic, I was like, I had this mentality where it's like you know like I, I, it was like an antagonistic relationship with the audience. So I'm almost like I'm mad that they like me. I'm like, yeah. why are they like, why 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 am I why are they doing this? Are they crazy? I was like mad. And it's not like an imposter syndrome. It's just more of a like I lose respect for you if you like me. Yeah. Too much kind of thing maybe yeah yeah or definitely. there's also because comedy is sort of like i've done this every night for the past four months and you're laughing at it yeah like i fuck, you know what i mean yeah yeah but that's when it's at its best right. but you're like oh you guys fucking have no i've been doing yeah. this yeah how do yeah. you not see through this right right it's <laughs> so know? weird but yeah. now i'm just like because they like it and it yeah. makes them happy yeah and that's okay yeah like that's that is okay yeah after this pandemic i think it's okay for humans to want to be happy right. so Personally. if we learn anything here today it's that if you like the lucas brothers yes. they're fine with it yes it if you like <laughs> us we're cool with it we're cool with we're you. not angry anymore we <laughs> are we got it all out of We're our cool system. You're allowed system. to know their jokes yes. and uh, and still love them yes. when they tell no them. No more on snapping stage. at the audience. <laughs> you want to say punch lines with me? We're going to do no a duet together. Punishing your yes. fans. No more punishing the fans. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> oh, you like me? You have shitty taste. <laughs> Jesus. You can do better. <laughs> there are better comedians out there. We are going to stop charging you money. <laughs> 
and then shaming you when you like us. Right. It's How about weird. that? Uh, I'm, I'm over it. Like, no, I, I think that's that's. I think a lot of things we we pathologize or over pathologize as comedians are actually what serves us the most. Like yeah. when a lot of comedians are like, "I have anxiety," I'm like, "I'd hope so." Right, right, like right. if you don't have anxiety, you're not awake. Right. You should be like, "Well, this is gonna happen. This is gonna happen." Yeah, like, yeah, of yeah, course yeah, you yeah. should. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I'm socially awkward. Like. I don't say that, but um, <laughs> right. yeah, you should because as a comedian, we do well with comedians, but then we go out with regular people yeah, and we're like, just, hey, bitch, uh, and they're just, like, what? Well, <laughs> like, oh, fuck. You're too open. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> just sort of like, oh, let me show you my tits. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm calling HR. So it's like, we are awkward. We should <laughs> right, be, right, right. you know? So I think there's like, there's certain parts of ourselves that we need to stop like flagellating because it's our job to sure. self-criticize. Sure. But it's our job to be like, oh yeah, that is a fucking superpower actually mm -hmm. that I thought was a weakness or a flaw that- right has made me good at this. Absolutely. I may not right. be able to like go to baby showers right. without embarrassing <laughs> right. myself. Who wants to go to a baby shower? Yeah, I might be single forever, but like I can write a fucking joke. Exactly, right. And that's, that's the goal. Yeah. That's yeah. it. To perfect it. Okay. And I do um Judas and the Black Messiah. If watch you have, I will be watching it again Yay. because it is the kind of thing you have to watch. I think Multiple once, times. yeah, because you just to get through the emotion of it, right, right, right. and then I rewatch like the first part, and I was just watching Jesse's performance, right, right, and right, then I was right, just right. watching Dan like, and then you're just, and then one to just watch the filmmaking right. and the choices right. that the director made, you know. So it's just it's so once much. Once you once you get through that like emotionally raw part, and you you confront that history you watch it that first time I think when you go back and watch it you appreciate it on a filmmaking level because that's the thing is that the filmmaking was so um uh uh um conducive to the story being told that I sure. wasn't looking at that. I mean, the testament of good filmmaking is sure. not thinking about it. Right. You're just lost in it. But right. then to, to to purge the feelings and then go through and be like, this cut, Jesus, this scene yeah. is like seven minutes long. Right. Right. I didn't notice that before. Yeah. I thought, you know, because most scenes that you're compelled by are cut a ton right, and manipulated right. and there's music or whatever. And it's like, this is, you know, so um, if students of film, this is for you. <laughs> right. And all white people, you are <laughs> obligated to watch this movie. Um, I love you guys. Is there anything love else you, you want to say too. on drugs? Uh, uh, I love this special. Thank you. Thank you. I remember I, the art is so good. That, I mean, I remember watching the special and being yeah. like, fuck, they're going to like be filmmakers. Because it was like, <laughs> there was like Richard Nixon yeah, was like, wasn't he yeah, in like yeah, boards? I was yeah. like, this it is so- It was the Richard Nixon from the Lebowski uh, picture. We're big fans of Big Lebowski. I was like, like, this is so fucking in innovative yeah. and specials are not supposed to be innovative <laughs> yeah. and now you're going to go fucking uh, be like Gerard and go like have a production company and go make movies and like, ugh. And be like Judd Apatow or some shit and like you're fucking up the bell curve for the rest of us and like now I have to like think about my set. Yeah, oh no. Like this set design yeah, because yeah. you're making it like art. And I was I'm like, sure some people were very upset by that but it's like, really? Like, you know, some people are like, man, that's kind of weird. Like you what know. people? Who old, are these people? Some, some these of the, like, the old school guys, you know, like, like just get to the jokes. You know? comic, You're probably like right. Comics? Probably, I don't know. I, but I, I, any I comics are upset by anyone that's successful. It's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you're just successful. It's, it's not. Right, it had nothing to do with it. Was the fact that you just had a special right, that you right, deserve right, to have. Right, right, you know, right, and they're right. still middling in Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> because they're doing fat chicks jokes. <laughs> and they don't understand why they can't make it. Right, right, right. What do you mean? I have yeah. a joke about how Asians can't drive. Yeah. Like, why don't I have a special? Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You're right. There's, a, there's an old school mentality where they can't recognize that sometimes their the staleness of their act isn't allowing for them to sort of, you know, 
Breakthrough. Uh, breakthrough. Yeah, and it was also like, I got a lot of shit. I mean, I, we say that because we, we're we also the people that if there's 5,000 people laughing and one people's not, we go, yeah, everyone yeah, was yeah, like, you know yeah, what I mean? You we, motherfucker, what would you laugh at my joke? Which is why we're good. Which is yeah, why yeah, you're good. Right, you know, right. you have to, like if one person in the focus group says, I don't get this, right. and the rest say, they you got, you also have to honor that reaction because right, right, one out of 10, absolutely. that's going to be 10 out of 100 right, and 100 right, out of 1,000 right. or whatever. I hope that math was right. Seems right. Yeah. Seems right. That tracks. Future line producers, sorry. Yeah. To drag you into that uh, migraine, but um, but yeah, I think that being overly critical, you have to. I mean, sure, watching sure. that movie, I was like, this was a very overly critical group of people that right. would not stop until every frame oh, yeah. was fucking oh, yeah, perfect. Right. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, and that's why right. there's this war on perfectionism that I don't understand. Yeah, 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 why right. are you guys such perfectionists? You're yeah. making movies and art and stand up because you respect your audience. Be worse. And the other thing your is audience. like you're trying to secure a man's legacy, so. It's well, that's ex, it's an extra level of stakes. You know, you don't want to you don't want to fuck up Chairman Fred. You're not a, like, not a big fine. Let's just cast Steve Harvey. <laughs> Daniel's busy. Steve can handle it. Mike Epps is. I feel like Mike Epps is free. <laughs> Mike Epps is a pretty decent actor. No, I, I, no, no, he he um he's a good actor. He's, he's a, good a actor. very good actor. Yeah, yeah. But I remember when the Richard Pryor movie was casting. He was supposed to. He was he was cast as Richard, Richard Pryor. Pryor. Yeah, and yeah. then you know who it was. The next iteration. Jamila Wayne's? No. Nick Cannon. Really? Ah. And apparently he was amazing. I hmm. can see that. I, 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 see that did, I want to say was in the mix as well, right. but I think he was like, ah, this is too yeah, yeah, yeah. much right. or something. Right. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I would have to ask him, but um, right. but yeah, but Nick Cannon was apparently amazing. I can see that playing Richard Pryor. I can see that being very true. Yeah. yeah really? Yeah. Yeah. He, he can act. I mean, I guess once you've been married to Mariah Carey, yeah, you can right, really right, have right, a lot right, to draw right. from in terms of <laughs> stress. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, could you imagine being married to a pop singer? Uh, no, I not mean, just a pop singer. The, the pop, pop singer. singer. The, yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah, 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 the great, the greatest one. One of the greatest. Yeah, and then yeah, having like the host, being a funny person and then having to host serious shows, the amount of rage that right, was probably right, the yeah. need to be seen differently. Yeah, right. I kind of, I've spent a lot of time sort of like, getting into that like the idea of being like playing Richard Pro like how could you ever yeah, right. get, you know role. like that must be so hair I mean there's a reason it hasn't been done right, I, right, I, right, I would right. yeah. assume I don't think I don't, I don't someone's working on the film I think uh, uh, Kenya Barris Kenya Barris Kenya and on yeah Lee Daniels was doing it for a right, minute right, right. Kenya Barris yeah now it's like it's it's kind of one of those where mm -hmm. you're like you know I think they should hire uh, there are two people uh, I would say there's uh, what's the guy's name he was a YouTuber but now he's like Oh, uh, Marvin Gregg? Mar yeah. Oh. Marvin who? Marvin Gregg. Right? Marvin Gregg or... Uh, Daryl. Daryl. Yeah, yeah Daryl. Daryl was in Judas. Judas. Those two guys, I think, we should be... Well, cause, and part. then the thing that I thought about was, like, Jamie Foxx, when he did Ray, we were all like, Jamie? And then you were like... He killed it. Blew it out of the way. You're like, holy, yeah. stand-ups can do anything. I agree. Right. There's a delusional amount of confidence and such a deep need to be liked and respected right. mm -hmm. that they'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. They will fucking figure it out Without because our ultimate fear is being embarrassed. Right. Right. So, and nothing, you know. Nothing, nothing stops that. Yeah. yeah. And then after they, it's like, Dad, do you love me now? Still no? <laughs> no. Okay. No matter how many awards you win, Dad, Dad didn't, didn't call. Yeah. Okay. I still yeah. hate myself. It's just like, it's, right. a, it's, it's an endless. Yeah. We will never, yeah. ever like think we're great. Right. Right. Which keeps us 
kind trying of to get better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Thanks, dads. Right. <laughs> Thank you, dad. Should you send your dad a flat, an edible arrangement? <laughs> Thank you, dad. Were you wrong? And he was an amazing father <laughs> by abandoning? Right. I mean, right. Look, that, was I mean, the, that was the spark we needed. That was you know? the key so, to our act, man. There, right. The key right. to our creative process. There so. was a... Um, we needed that dad to leave. Yeah. Someone had a joke about this. I don't remember who it was about like when um, female comics are molested. That's like Ooh. athletes in sports taking steroids. Like it's right, cheating because right. you're just funnier <laughs> yeah. if you have the more trauma you've had. Yeah. So they're just like, you were molested. She's funnier because she was molested. It's not oh, fair. God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke, guys. Yeah, yeah, so we, you guys like this slowly. <laughs> I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh at the joke. I don't think. Uh, not my joke. I don't <laughs> slowly <laughs> sliding down. Um, I love you, uh, and I'll see you we soon. You. Next yes, time well. you're in town, yeah. I hope. Yes, and we're going to come stay here. Yes, yeah. I'm we not, should I'm do it. We should put on a show too. Dead. Yeah. I was putting shows on. Um, I know. Out. Why? Didn't, why didn't you invite us? Because you were in New York. In New yeah, York, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But we, I, will, I will fly out here to to be on the show. But it will. But we'll shoot it and we'll yeah. shoot stuff because like yeah, certain, I want to for sure. There's certain stuff that's like this isn't for Netflix. This isn't for a special. Right. But like this, I want to say it and. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, capture in the moment. Yeah, right. totally. Yeah. And just like put it up. Totally down. Yeah. You know, totally or even down. like a story that like this wouldn't go into special, but I want to kind of see the reaction to mm-hmm. it. Right. You know, whatever. Right. right. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of like what we're doing now is like, uh, what do you call you it? You said it this morning though. You said you just want to, you just want to experimental. Do yeah. Just do stuff. Yeah. Experimental. Yeah. Like, I already, like, I already achieved something in film. And it's like, I don't have that burden anymore. So it's just like, I want to just. There's a freedom to right. like now, like now I need, what's the thing that's going to be as exciting as right. trying to make this movie mm-hmm. for exactly. 10 years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let me discover something else about myself. I right. can do that. Let's see if I can do this. Right. Let's see right. if I can right. go on stage right. and not make a joke right. for four minutes. Right. Exactly. Let me exactly. hang in that silence a little yeah. bit. Let me hang in it a little I'm bit. I'm like Chappelle. I remember uh, I saw him at Montreal one year and he was just, I mean, between every joke was like a minute and a half. Yeah. I mean, it, he does not rush. It was just like, yeah. and he was like sitting there smoking and it was like, we were, you could hear a pin yeah, drop. Yeah. You hang on every moment. Yep. There wasn't a rapper. There wasn't a cell phone. Right. And then it was like, mm-hmm. and the kind of tension, the laugh was just like, like old, emo- like right. it was like right. releasing old pain. It right. was just wild. Right. You doing Montreal this year? Is it Montreal happening? As it was in LA, you have something. I have a r- general rule where I try to not bomb for my own agents. <laughs> <laughs> Like the festival thing, I, I, I've i done them before, but I just like, you know, I, I always, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Right, right, you know right. what I'm saying? Because I'm like, are we burning this material? Are we using it? Uh, like doing the yeah, galas. Yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I did the gala once. I hosted it once and it, I think it went okay, but I, I was like, oh, this is material I can't use now. And right. I'm doing my A shit because I want to <laughs> impress everyone at the festival and at the, you know, but now I'm burning a bunch of stuff. Mm. And then one time I did um, a gala that was hosted by, Steve Martin, and it oh, was wow. at like five, mm. and I didn't know that that show was all people that have like year-round tickets to the theater. Mm-hmm. So it's not really like comedy fan. It's right. just people that go to the opera and stuff, and it just happens to be comedy. And mm-hmm. I ate shit <laughs> in a way that was so shocking. Like yeah. it was shocking. Yeah. Like it was. It was so. It was. I gave a speech uh, for eight <laughs> minutes, and I and like Steve Martin is standing right there, and I'm just like, this is. Uh, my literal nightmare right and it's it was older people too and i'm like so i'm squirting it was at a time when i was just it was just not a match and then orny adams went on i was like they're kind of tough 
destroyed. <laughs> I was like, tough crowd, you're never and just killed. First joke out. It was like uh, I call customer service and any guy answers, boom. And I was just like, fuck, dude, I have no excuse. Right. Uh so but yeah, yeah. I, I I love going just because I get to see comedians. Right. right. That's the only reason I like going. Just yeah. to hang out. Yeah. But there's something but I think with the new faces and all that stuff, they had to have sort of a thing about they weren't paying the new face. They weren't because the trip is you know, it's yeah. fucking two thousand mm-hmm. dollars, right. you know. So it was like there was a little bit of like working out how to pay the younger comics mm-hmm. right. and the more established comics taking less money. Sure. I think Ari Shafir was kind of digging into that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, uh, I haven't heard much, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think I am. Mm-hmm. Right. right. I mean, I would like to go to Canada. Yeah, same. To to forever. Yeah, I love Montreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, it. but it's really I I feel like the reason I'm doing a podcast is like it's I get to see comedians, <laughs> yeah, right, right. and there's this thing where comedians won't hang out anymore unless it's being monetized. Right. So I was like, I guess I have to start a podcast to hang out with comics. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know like, how we are. You yeah, it's like are. what I get to do. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, it's so funny to think of all the things that are gone now. I know. Yeah. The TBS festival, yeah, Vegas. Comics, New York with an X. I knew something was off about that business model. It was weird. They had Voss water bottles and glass (laughs) water bottles. I was like, this is not going to break even. You're already in the red. It was too nice. The food was good. I was like, the food can't be too good. People can't come for the food. Yeah. yeah. They're not paying attention to the... People don't, the, when people try to open comedy clubs that haven't had them before, it's mm-hmm. just like, they're like, oh, this will work. Right. It can't be too nice. The food can't be too good. Yep. You know, people can't be too comfortable. I right. see these things now where everyone's like here and I'm like, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah, you yeah. have to be in a hard right, seat right. where you're, you know, right. erect right. and paying attention. Exactly. Agreed. The comedy store started serving food, which is interesting. They have they, they never had food oh. because Mitzi didn't want anyone to be uh, doing anything except watching the comedy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you need food. I mean, you need food now because the hours are probably longer and people are probably staying there a little longer. Yeah, and totally. Comics, you want the comics to eat. <laughs> she, I think there was like popcorn was the only yeah. thing that they had. She also like didn't want people choking on food uh, or something. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that was back when Jim Carrey was there. Yeah. <laughs> no one's no one, so no funny one's now. You got no Jim Carrey's out there, man. It's a bunch of comedians like preaching about politics. Like, I think you're safe. I think we're good. You can serve, you can serve four course meals. Anyway. <laughs> Joking on that shit. <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, yes, OnlyFans. Yeah, we have Twitter, Lucas Bros, right? mm-hmm. and, and then Instagram is the Lucas Bros. Right. No so OnlyFans, just, just but Lucas Bros. No <laughs> OnlyFans. No, no OnlyFans. Yeah. People make a lot of money on. I, oh, yeah. I know. There's a way to do it. There's a way to do it. That's not, you know. I wanted to do a roast of comedians telling like dirty jokes. Yeah. That you could never tell on anything. That's and, fun. That's funny. And you can get away with it. Yeah, I, right. it's like they monetize it a little. Like bit. not get naked, uh, yeah, but just yeah, to be like, oh, these are the roast jokes we would yeah. have been able to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. I love and, that idea. And it's yeah. just for us, and right. we get paid for it. Yeah, it's it's, that's brilliant. You know. Yeah. Or oh, and w- would you like record like you in front of people, or are you recorded? I was like, let's just do it in the backyard here, where yeah. we all kind of roast each other, yeah, so it yeah. doesn't feel like we're just like it's huh. you know friends, and not yeah. just like let's be like a cipher stereotype. Yeah, yeah, it's like sort of like uh, I could never say, like the kind of stuff because we were out here doing open mics right. during the pandemic, and uh, when we weren't filming, and it was like five or six of us, we were like we would just be like ripping like yeah. jokes that you could only do in the belly room yeah. 10 years ago at 2 a.m. Yeah. And it was like, God, that felt so good to say. I miss that so much. But we could never say that anywhere anymore. I miss it so much. I miss the open mics where you can just say whatever. Right, right, right. And no, you're really just performing for the comics in the back right, of the room. Right, right, right. Right. You know? You're yep. just trying to get them to laugh. Right. You're just like, Scientology, AIDS, yeah, AIDS yeah. quilt. Like, you're right. just like the shit you're not allowed to say. Right. And then putting it on OnlyFans so, so there's no people. standards yeah. and practices. Right. And then we can raise the money and donate it to right. something, you know? Right. That's right. smart. Anti-defamation league because so we've first. been doing so much defaming. Right, right. <laughs> um, I love, I end these very awkwardly. I love you. Love Thank you. Too. Don't you ride too. elephants. Yeah. We won't ride elephants. No. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>
world is waiting, waiting for new thinking, for bold ideas that embrace a globally connected community, working together to create a better future for all. And that future, it can be found here at UC Riverside. Bold hearts, brilliant minds.